0: The Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale shifts the tide of the MCU. Secret Invasion adds a Targaryen, and The Flash finally begins production. All that and more, including some breaking news on the other end. It's The Direct Podcast, and it starts right now. Truth is, I am a Jedi.
1: And I am burdened with glorious purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave. Blow that piece of junk. See you in a minute. I can do this all day. This is the way, but I'm also a big fan of justice. I'm vengeance. I'll show you the dark side. Why did you say that name? Come on! Let's get nuts. Yeah.
0: Welcome into episode 30 of the direct podcast. Three-time decade champs over here. That's kind of crazy. We've been doing this thing for over half a year now, and the news. The reviews, the fun keeps on coming. I'm your host, the Colossus of Clicks, Liam Crowley, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, the captain, Matt Remke. Matt, how we doing?
2: I'm doing fantastic. What a week it's been. It's been a long week, but hey, we're here now, and I couldn't be more excited to talk about everything we got. And like you said, we have some breaking news right off the top, which is... This has never been done here on the Direct Podcast. Going into a show with brand new information we've learned in the last what half hour, <laughs> like something like great. that. We, we've had news.
0: Uh, we've had news drop in the middle of shows. We've had news drop after shows. But you know how kind of Marvel to drop a nice little tidbit heading into recording. So Thank shout you, out Marvel, Marvel Studios. Shout out Marvel Studios for just. A great week, a great a great Friday, our last Marvel Friday for a little bit. But we want to get things started, as we always do, with a little quick question off the top. Shang-Chi, trailer Shang dropped Chi. on Monday. Yes. It's already old news based on everything we've gotten <laughs> from Marvel alone. But aside from our, our breaking uh, emergency podcast that we did on Monday, where we kind of gave our full in-depth thoughts about the trailer immediately, almost our, our immediate reactions, if you will. Uh, we, we got some more thoughts. So, Matt, I want to go to you first. Uh, you've had, had a couple of days to marinate on the trailer. It's a very mm-hmm. different project than we've ever gotten in the MCU, but still has some similarities to stuff we've seen before. So I'm curious, do you have any, any new thoughts, new layers um, that you've picked apart from the Shang-Chi trailer?
2: It's more just like things I saw on the internet in the days past, you know, people pointing out things that I didn't quite catch. Um, the big one, for example, the Ten Rings, like the physical embodiment of the Ten Rings were incredibly present throughout the trailer, And you, I mean, you pointed out that, you know, uh, there seemed to be some sort of weapon going up the arms. I never put together that those are the rings. You know what I mean? Like that's super exciting. It's not the traditional on your fingers thing. I think this is a lot cooler of an idea. Um, And then just kind of the lore of it. um, One thing I wanted to point out was that scene we got where the lion jumps up in the air and, you know, it's a big giant, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings style looking fight, you know what I mean? Going Mm -hmm. on that now, as somebody pointed out that might that might be like where the Ten Rings came from. So, I really like the idea of you know deep lore, deep history of the MCU being extended more in these origin stories because you know some of the prob- problems not a problem. I take that back immediately. The thing with these you know the sequels and the Captain America Civil Wars, there are a lot of moving pieces because you've added layers on top of the origin story a lot of the times. People forget in origin stories, exploration is, you know, so expected that when it when it takes up a chunk in the movie, really exciting. And, you know, just deep growing MCU lore through Shang-Chi, big fan, makes the character more important in everybody's eyes right away, I think.
0: Yeah, I love the idea of of going back. There's been rumblings that uh, Shang-Chi and the Mandarin himself could have. Familial ties, like you know, in the heritage, they might be related to Genghis Khan. They might work in some real-world history, which would be really, really cool. And based on some of the footage, it's clear that some of those big battles are taking place in the past. I think that there's a chance that the Mandarin himself, uh, Tony Lang, who's who's playing the character, that he's been immortal and he's been alive for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, the big thing that I took away was uh, if this movie is set in 2023 or maybe even early 2024 based on you know when uh when it picks up this when the line at the beginning when he says you know I gave you 10 years to live your life and now I want you back back home like return to the family you subtract those 10 years that puts you around 2013 when iron man 3 was taking place yeah. so maybe the reason the mandarin sent his son away in the first place was cuz he had he had a certain Trevor Slattery and this certain uh, extremist program that he had to mop up and deal with them. And kind of, you know, even though they were all jailed by the end, he, in that one shot goes and says, you know, Oh, the Mandarin would like to speak to you. Maybe he got a little preoccupied with that. And I think that's a really, really Dude. neat way to, to tie this movie into the greater MCU. And Love we that. obviously we expect that there to be big Mandarin ties, but uh, any, anytime we can get, uh anytime we can make iron man 3 retro retrospectively more important to the mcu i'm all in for it
2: not not a math guy big numbers guy though and you Mm. nailed that one excellent excellent eye by you there
0: absolutely but you know that was the news that dropped on monday there's been a lot of news in the subsequent days this has been quite the week especially for marvel so we're gonna kick things off with you know it, you love it it's the sizzle reel
2: breaking news sound the alarms call the kids get them out of school things are getting real captain america 4 is officially in development at marvel studios with the falcon and the winter soldier showrunner malcolm spellman developing the script it's happening
0: and in more Marvel news, Game of Thrones star Amelia Clark has joined Secret Invasion in a mystery role. Daenerys Targaryen herself will star opposite A listers like Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, and Olivia Coleman in the Disney Plus series due next summer.
2: The Marvel news don't stop. Clint Barton himself shared a selfie on Instagram announcing the end of filming for Hawkeye. The series will now enter post production for an anticipated fall. Disney Plus release and in one last bit of Marvel news
0: Alfred Molina is on Kevin Feige's hit list in an interview with Variety the Doc Ock actor revealed a lot of Spider-Man no way home juicy details including that his character will be de-aged and that he picks up where he left off in 2004's Spider-Man 2.
2: Switching over to the world of DC, The Flash is finally beginning filming. Director Andy Muschietti celebrated by sharing the film's official logo, which is dope, on Twitter. And in bigger news regarding the Scarlet Speedster flick, Michael Keaton. Yes, that Michael Keaton is officially back as Batman.
0: And in news from a galaxy far, far away, actress Maya Erkstein has joined the Obi-Wan Kenobi series in an undisclosed role. Not much is known about Erskine's character. Other than that, she will reportedly have a supporting role in at least three
2: episodes of Kenobi. And for more news on the Batman and or and everything going on with PlayStation, make sure to check out the direct.com. Once again, for the people in the back, that is the direct.com.
0: I really like the way you end the sizzle reel with the directs dot com. It's like all jazzy and snazzy. I'm a big fan, but so much news, Matt, to talk off the top. And as we kind of do with these sizzle reels, I want to pitch to you what stands out. I feel like I know what you're gonna say.
2: I mean, it's Danny T, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's da- Daenerys Targaryen, Amelia Clark in the MCU. That's the only thing I've thought about for the past week. It's the only thing I care about moving forward. I love this poll because Secret Invasion has so many wide open character possibilities. Like we have no idea who she's gonna play. My initial pick was um, Abigail Brand, obviously a general in uh, Sword in the comics and you know would have great Nick Fury ties. She could be a scroll role. She could play Sue Storm. I mean, the world is wide open. I just love introducing such a big actor back into a big universe when, quite frankly, we haven't seen her at her Danny T peak in a long time one of my all-time favorite tv characters and i'm just so excited to see that actress back in the game
0: absolutely and she's she's a, a name that feels like we're, we're getting really thin on big a-lister names that haven't appeared in the mcu yet and getting someone like her to play a mystery role in secret invasion i, I very much think she's going to be a scroll presence but also might be one of those like Shocking turns, because we, we do need a couple shocking turns in, in a Secret Invasion storyline. Um, and obviously, she's someone who will want time. you know, like Ben right. Mendelsohn got his FaceTime in Captain Marvel before donning the prosthetics and all that. Good point. But with a, with a storyline like Secret Invasion, which has so many new characters being introduced and, you know, characters that we're supposed to care, care about from the jump, you kind of have to attach big names to them, because when you if you cast like unknown actors it kind of plants the seed in the audience's mind that these these guys aren't as as big as they want us to think sure but when you get a big name like amelia clark or olivia coleman who recently joined the show if they end up playing scrolls which i kind of anticipate the bigger names joining this series to be a scroll presence and immediately from a viewer perspective you're like oh these guys are important i recognize Mm -hmm. that face that's danny targaryen you don't get danny targaryen to play nobody you get her to play a big presence
2: Absolutely, Queen of Dragons, the burnt, the unburnt, you know, the the mm-hmm. breaker of chains. Titles, titles, titles. Um, I just think that every single time they plant scrolls in an MCU movie, it instantly makes Secret Invasion that much better. The paranoia, like I've said in the past, is what's going to make this such an interesting show. Um, you know, but quick spoiler we didn't get a scroll appearance in the Falcon Warrior Soldier, so the streak of uh two straight post in game two straight post in game uh projects with a scroll presence skip one loki has a scroll in the trailer so uh, you know they're everywhere guys just watch out i'm just going to say it for the next what year and a half they're everywhere they're everywhere they're everywhere watch out i like that uh I feel like we gotta talk about
0: that breaking news though. I was kind of expecting you to, to go with that first, but I know you're Oh my
2: you're god, guy. I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh my America god, 4, Captain baby. America four. I saw I saw Amelia Clark and completely forgot what was happening. Like I said, this happened 30 minutes ago, and I it, I can't wrap my head around it. Like a fourth Captain America movie, Liam, you're the Cap guy. How are we feeling?
0: I feel really good. Like, really, really good. Yeah.
2: Like, especially after we'll get into Falcon
0: Winter Soldier uh, thoughts, you know, later on, we have a full in-depth review with superlatives and a bunch of fun stuff. If you want to skip ahead, time codes are right there in the description below. But the finale delivered. The finale made me feel a lot of emotions. And Mm -hmm. if we are going to get Anthony Mackie leading a Captain America film, because I think when we look in the greater scheme of the MCU, once we do get the theatrical releases again, I think there is kind of an inherent power balance of like the streaming shows are really cool and we love them but they will always feel like a little minor league compared to theatrical releases and like a theatrical release is we're putting faith in you anthony mackie in your character to not just like perform well but give us a box office return because disney plus it's guaranteed the people are already subscribed you watch wandavision or you don't you watch mandalorian or you don't you're still giving us your money but like you really got to sell a movie and for this news to break today, time of recording, when the finale drops, I think it's just a huge stamp of approval that like, you know, we're, we're dead serious about continuing the Captain America legacy. And Anthony Mackie, Sam Wilson is a guy we want leading that charge. I was admittedly a little upset because, you know, now, now we're trading six hours for maybe two and a half hours. And I like the long form storytelling. But damn, there's a lot of great scenes from Falcon Winter Soldier that I wish I got to see in a theater, you know, so it's it's the best of both worlds. And a guy like Malcolm Spellman, who wrote an absolutely killer script um, for this first season, because I I do think there's a chance we get a season two. You know, Uh, what do they say in Entourage? Six seasons in a movie? Who knows? Um, But I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I can't stop smiling about this news. I want to get your thoughts.
2: Um, you know, this wasn't a case, a blatant case of me just burying the lead and being a bad journalist. That's not what this was, guys. This was me. Nah, knowing... He likes, he likes, to the, he likes <laughs> no, this is me knowing that we're going to be talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier a lot. And, you know, the real thing is going into this review, going into this episode, I didn't expect to know more about where these characters are heading than I now do. I mean, we now know there's a movie, you know what I mean? Like that, that does... Add a lot to the series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, knowing what's going to go on down the line. You know, we don't know anything about the movie, obviously, but the fact that there's a film, I think it just makes sense. We'll get into it later, but um, Tony Mackey, congratulations. Um, you put together six amazing episodes of television, and now you get, uh, you know, we, we think to be the face of your own solo film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well deserved, and, uh, you know, I thought Guardians was going to potentially spike over Cap for my favorite franchise with Guardians 3. But the fact that they're making a fourth Captain America movie, like how how is it supposed to compete at this point? So, you know, we'll see. But uh, I'm over the moon excited. On the moon I'm, excited. Oh! Uh, whoa! whoa! Step back. Round of applause. Watch Round it. of applause. Watch that it. was epic
0: and mm. what what a perfect segue into a, a subtopic i want to talk about because apparently chris evans is captain america project because that report from wow what was it was january 15th wasn't it wasn't it the day wandavision drops i'm what, pretty sure the chris about? the chris evans report that he was reprising oh his yes Rogers. we spent wow. 20
2: minutes on that <laughs> Yeah,
0: I feel like I just pulled the date out of my ass. That was uh, I'm pretty impressed with myself. But regardless, um, that that news was kind of debunked by Evans. And then, you know, news to me on Twitter. And then Kevin Feige said, oh, well, you heard what the man himself said, Mm -hmm. like, you know, kind of playing cheeky, but also not embracing it whatsoever in this deadline report that Spellman is developing a fourth Captain America movie. It did say that this would probably be separate from whatever is going on with Chris Evans's next Marvel Studios project. So again, we talked about this before we hit record. There's a lot of probably, there's a lot of possibly, there's a lot of maybes in that sentence. However, the fact that they feel the need to clarify it indicates that I think that this is a report that's not just debunked, it's still materializing and kind of gaining steam among the big trades. We're talking it was it was Variety that initially reported it. Hollywood Reporter didn't pick it up, but they're owned by the same company. So it's kind of murky there. And then deadline, you know, getting involved now talking about the Malcolm Spellman news. Like we're talking about the giants of of entertainment news. So still talking about Chris Evans potentially reprising his role as Steve Rogers one, two, three, three and a half months
2: later. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. So, I mean, I I just kind of, you know, let's you know, treat me treat me like I'm dumb here. What okay. are you pulling out of this news? You know what I mean? Like is this is this more tell you, "Hey, there might be a Captain America movie starring Chris Evans and also a Captain America project starring Sam Wilson," or is this more just Chris Evans is coming back eventually, like, you know, being more and more confirmed for you? I
0: see it more as, you know, he'll come back eventually, but remember when reports circled about DC wanting to develop a a Ben Affleck Batman trilogy or series for HBO Max while um Robert Pattinson's Batman existed? I don't yes. think it's a case like that. I think okay. for the foreseeable future, Sam Wilson is Captain America and they're not going to do another Steve Rogers led Captain America flick. I think there's a chance we get that that um infinity stone series that everyone kind of wants is like kind of like a one-off you know and you don't call it captain america you call it like the infinity stones or like Mm -hmm. i don't know time heist part two i don't know
2: steve rogers and the
0: infinity stones yeah. Oh, I like that. It's that's so comic booky. I love that. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I think I think that if Chris Evans returns, the rumor is it was a two pitcher deal. I think he would return in a supporting role in like a secret invasion. Or I heard like Captain Marvel, two is about to get really big in terms of scope. It, it could be in that sense. But yeah, I, I do see it as as very distinct from the two.
2: Well that's good because I I don't I don't want to murk up the amazing moments we just got. We got to get to this review because I'm I'm bursting at the seams to talk about it. But real quick, man. Spider-Man. Yeah. He's back he's back in the news guys we talked for spider-man we talked about spider-man for what felt like 20 straight episodes and uh you know it's it's getting back into circulation so uh you know like like we said alfred molina is dropping clues that we don't think foggy would want him dropping and for me personally that makes me skeptical of the validity of these clues because alfred molina is a you know legendary actor this isn't his first press tour um so You know, the idea is based on what Molina said. You know, if we we took what Molina said as heart, we're getting Doc Ock right from where we left off with him in Spider-Man 2, sinking to the bottom of the lake. Dread it. You got to put it to the bottom of the river. Um, Going to the bottom of the ocean there along with the sun. Him and the sun just taking a dive. Um, And then it picks up, you know, in a multiverse. What do you think about one, the idea of that being a part of the movie. Two, do we really think that's going to be it word for word? Because he he laid it out pretty clear.
0: Yes, I, I do think he's telling the truth here. And I don't think he I don't think that he thinks he gave a lot of way. Because I don't think he <laughs> understands um what people like us do in piecing stuff together. Um because if he is returning as Doc Hawk and this is setting up you know, you don't get I think Alfred Molina is fantastic in the Doc Ock role, but I wouldn't put him in the category of like, we can't recast them ever. You know, right. like if they were going to bring Doc Ock into the MCU, I don't think you bend over backwards to, to get someone back from, from their first appearance. If it's going to be a completely different iteration, if that Doc Ock is to continue since he died in Spider-Man 2 Spoilers for a 2004 movie, you know, Mm -hmm. the only way to get him to pop up in the MCU is if somehow portal opens when he sinks to the bottom of the river or something, and then he gets roped in. And the de-aging technology makes sense in that sense. And um, director John Watts saying to him like, oh, well, no one really dies in these universes. That gets a little bit more color. And yeah, I, I think that this just kind of, unofficially confirms that Spider-Man three is a multiverse centered movie. We all suspected it with Dr. Strange's involvement, but not just a multiverse, a
2: spider verse and
0: man, December,
2: where are we at? Exactly. And, and you know, one little other tidbit about this movie as confusing as everything we just said seems one trailer and we will know everything we need to know as far as like the answers we're looking for. Like, obviously there's going to be twists and turns and, um, subverting expectations, and this movie is not going to be telegraphed. But the idea of the movie, I think, is going to take one trailer, and then we know what it is moving forward. You know, it's 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 you know they're they're going to show us. I I really believe in the first official trailer why Alfred Molina is there, or the idea of you know. You know, what what roles are these multiversal characters, what with the Matt Murdochs and the Doc Ox and Electro? Like like their role in all of this I think will be the main focus of the trailer. Could be wrong, but that's I, I expect that to be the case because at the end of the day, you know, Marvel's they've learned from Wandavision. Don't let us go into a project speculating too much because then it's it's instant letdown for people who get too embedded in their theories. And I think that, you know, what we've learned from Spider-Man movies across the board, the the plot is one thing, but the story, the character development, the relationships—that's really what drives it home. So I think we're going to learn a lot about the plot within one official trailer, and uh, I can't wait. What's what do we? What's the schedule on that? When do trailers come out compared to movies?
0: Usually, with Marvel specifically, usually five months in advance. So with a December release date, we're thinking like
2: July. I'm getting married on July 17th. What a wedding gift it would be to have a oh. Spider-Man No Way Home trailer drop.
0: <laughs> I'm turning 21 on July 14th. So There you yeah. go. Come Look on my honeymoon
2: that. with me. We'll get yeah. rip-roaring drunk.
0: <laughs> hey, be careful with those invites because I, I will take that to heart. I don't got anything going on this summer. All these internships talk- getting canceled left, right, and center. You got to talk to my lady.
2: I'll, I, right. I'll, I'll hook you guys up, and we'll see if we can make something
0: happen. <laughs> will do, but for now... We can talk a lot about The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode six One World, One People, the season finale. Let's go. We made it. We're here. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier season finale, the third show to completion that we've reviewed here on The Direct Podcast. And what a journey it's been. The shortest journey so far. WandaVision, Mm -hmm. nine episodes, Mandalorian season two, eight episodes. But man, Falcon and Winter Soldier, even with a condensed season, sure packed a punch in each individual installment and the finale, in my opinion, delivered big time. But Matt, I want to go to you first. We haven't really chatted today. We we've kind of stayed distant in the Slack channel because I really wanted this finale to to be first thoughts and I already see where the fingers are going. I know the sound effect we're about to get. Hit me with it. Initial thoughts.
2: So, um, I mean, what a show! I, I got to start off with saying that you know I've because of the bullies that I work with at thedirect.com, I've been cornered into having to preface every criticism I ever have with "Man, I love this," butt. Um. <laughs> um what a show. I'm so happy it happened. I'm sad that it's over, but uh, it was an amazing six weeks of television. This episode specifically, it's, it's interesting, Liam. I'm kind of split into two different camps here. If And, you know, one camp is obviously much more important than the other. But um, the first camp I'm in, if you want to focus on Sam, Bucky, the Isaiah story, and just, uh, you know, cinematography, the action, which is what I was most excited about heading into the show, and just, you know, the way everything was shot, the production all of that if you want to focus on that stuff amazing 10 out of 10 not just good great like i loved everything every decision that was made with the sam wilson character i like probably 9.5 of the of the decisions made with the bucky character the isaiah run i thought ended a lot better than i would have thought it would end um you know one of my biggest criticisms of last week ended up being such a big strength this week um, with the Isaiah thing. It looked great. It sounded great. The sound design, like I mentioned last week, dude, that shield brings such a unique quality into these action scenes, and I love it. It's like a lightsaber. It's the same thing a lightsaber does. There's a certain sound that peaks certain things in our bodies that get us excited, just like a view. The, the shield's little sound effects has that vibe. Um, so I loved so much of this episode and so much of the show. The things I didn't like about this episode, though, I really didn't like. So it does drag it down quite a bit. Um, The biggest thing... And, you know, people... It's interesting because WandaVision, I feel like people had this same kind of thought where the two main characters, their story was great. And, you know, what they did with the main part of the show, awesome. It was the supplemental parts of the show that people didn't love about WandaVision. I feel the same way here where... But, like, I just... I, I, I don't like a lot of the decisions made. Not, not that they're bad by any means. It's just I don't feel like they're as interesting as they were set up. And I mean that in the sense of John Walker, Sharon Carter, and the Flag Smashers. The villains, the, the, the antagonists of the show, I feel like kind of they didn't stick the landing. Whereas Bucky and Sam, they stuck it with a 10 out of 10. You know what I mean? So um, I'm, I'm weighed differently on this show. Um, overall, I loved this episode. Um I would have loved it a lot more had those supplemental pieces maybe picked it up a little bit for me story wise. Liam. This is your baby. It's happened. It's done. How do we feel?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Um and I think all all your all your criticisms are fair. We'll we'll get into specifics in a bit, but this episode I was pondering like the how how to rationalize it cuz I loved this episode. Um I cried four separate times and that's yeah. That's a rarity, um, especially with with um TV shows, because you know the theater environment. It's like, I I cried on Wandavision. Actually, we're 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 back to back. We're wow. getting we're getting more emotional as we get into our twenties here over over in Syracuse, New York.
2: That show was built to make you cry, though. Like like yeah. they they wanted you to cry on Wandavision. Anyway,
0: proceed. Yeah, sure. uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of moments though, just like things that I wanted to happen, and then they happened, but they happened even better than I could have scripted them in my head. Again, we'll get into specifics, but this episode to me, it has the same dynamic of when you're talking about Avengers Infinity War versus Avengers Endgame, where this was not the best episode of the season, but I think it was my favorite for how it made me feel. Um, Avengers Infinity War, I, I remember having a good theater experience, but I don't remember it as distinctly as I do Endgame. Endgame moved me endgame the the tears the emotions were were so real and like a little soft here like it made me want to do stuff like this like it made me want to podcast it made me want to write it made me want to like immerse myself (laughs) in these worlds and this episode of falcon winter soldier just made me want to like continue and i Mm -hmm. we're getting a little like sappy here but like Damn. Why, it hits. why you got to
2: call it soft? Why do you kids these days got to be so judgmental about your feelings? <laughs> Yo, I'm not, but I'm being open about it, you know? No, like absolutely. I'm not trying no, away. Own, from it. Yeah, yeah. Own that shit. Yeah. <laughs> own that shit. Endgame was dope. and I love doing this podcast and this yeah. this episode. I agree. This is why I love doing this shit because talking about it is so not only fun, but like it, I just feel like it exercises my brain. Like I it's just it's it's incredibly um conceptual and i love that Mm -hmm. and i i i applaud everything you just said
0: yeah and if to just kind of wrap up my initial thoughts i for just about a year now since this project has been in development with the rumors of you know sam being hesitant to take the shields and what it would mean in today's world for a black man to take the mantle of captain america i as often comes the times with like marvel projects in development before they really get commercialized and advertised I've been telling my friends that like, you watch out for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier because this is going to have a cultural impact second to none in terms of, you know, may- maybe second to Black Panther in terms of the greater MCU. And seeing what this episode like delivered, TV shows a little different than movies because not everyone watches um, opening weekend or in its even theatrical run. There are people that probably won't watch Falcon Winter Soldier until a year down the line. They'll just binge season one all in one sitting. But moments in this finale, like, you know, I understand that I'll never fully grasp their importance and what they mean to, to other people, but like moved me as just an individual, as an American citizen. And that's something special. That's a rarity. And I, the reason why full transparency, when we do this podcast, we always watch, or we usually watch twice. Um, the reason why I watch twice is I watch once as a fan because I never want to lose that. But then I watch once with you know the critical eye, I get my notebook out and you know start writing down maybe Easter eggs or plot points or lines that matter and all that lines but that matter. We're gonna miss you lines that matter. We'll, we'll see you soon oh, Very so soon. far
2: away. <laughs>
0: but the reason why I didn't watch this a second time wasn't even for, you know, a, a crunch time in my day similar to Avengers Endgame. I've only seen that movie maybe four times It's because I don't want it to lose its specialty. Mm -hmm. Like I want to say if I'm going to watch the Falcon Winter Soldier episode six, I want to like really be ready for it because I I still get chills at portals and that's because I haven't YouTubed it to death. You know, I haven't watched that clip over and over again. There are moments in this show that like I'm getting chills just thinking about because I just want to think about them. I want to I want to wait till maybe three, four months down the line and revisit this episode. And yeah, I, I feel like it's time because I'm just ready to chat.
2: Spoiler. Spoiler, 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 spoiler,
0: spoiler, 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 talk. Let's Mail get into it. it. Falcon Winter Soldier, so much Woo! to chat about in this 50 minute epic conclusion to what was just a, a great season of television. Matt, let let's kick things off. Let's hear it, Matt let's hear it for captain america let's ladies hear it for and captain gentlemen america sam wilson is officially uh, in the stars and stripes that suit uh, even with one leaked tv spot giving us just a, a blink and you'll miss a glimpse it still hit the arrival the stars and stripes the wings getting the red white and blue oh maybe fist pump from the jump matt i know you're the costume
2: guy you love this shit you love the suits what were your thoughts this was great, man. It was everything I wanted out of it and more. Fortunately enough, I saw you wrote the article, which was a wild move on your part. I avoided that TV trailer all yesterday <laughs> because I was working. Look at me go. I was completely uncut and raw going into this and I loved every second of it. One minor complaint, his ears didn't look comfortable <laughs> in the cowl. Like you know what I mean? Like like it just didn't look comfy which you know that that bothered me for half a second but other than that what an amazing suit um it's it's so comic accurate it's so cool i like the way that he used it in a lot of ways um we saw him use his wings like we'd never seen him use them before and you know with the shield not just around but with the shield and um i just thought it was awesome it it didn't it didn't look how I expected it to look weirdly enough because it is so comic accurate. So you'd think that you'd know exactly what it's gonna look like. I thought it would have a lot more of a Wakandan flavor to it, but it really doesn't. And um, I just think that is such a great evolution of the cap suit like we've seen for so long where blue was always the dominant color. Blue was always the dominant color. Black for a second. Blue was always the dominant color going on. The white bouncing off the red goggles and just, it's, it's just so good, so good. We have a like Iron Many Captain America with this suit. And that's yeah. a really awesome thing. You know what I mean? Like, like forget what you think you know about science. Those wings can do pretty much anything, and I'm here for
0: it. Yeah, I, I was thinking when you were saying about how he was using the wings in, in different ways before. I started thinking like, how? Like I, I can't even wrap my brain around like they must connect to his mind, right? They must chip. The wings?
2: It. Yeah. The wings? I think so. I think it's something like that. I mean, he since Winter Soldier, he's kind of maneuvered the wings like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That scene in Winter Soldier where he drops out of the sky and all yeah. that stuff. But dude, when he digs the wings into the ground when Carly throws uh-huh. that Carly has a patented superhero punch, by the way. Mm. You know what I mean? Just, just, just I love that. But what, dude, when those wings dig in the ground, I stood up and was like, let's
0: go.
1: Let's go. So good.
0: Stuff. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the action uh, just a bit, just in terms of uh, Falcon's spotlighted action, but also just the action in general. This New York City battle, it just kept going and going, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a very very appropriately paced because for I, I felt that the action has been very well balanced in this show in terms of each episode seems like we get two decently long action sequences with a lot of stuff in between and at the beginning or end, but... I remember you, Matt saying that you were hoping for more action, and I feel like this was one that just like kept yeah. going it, it felt like a finale battle exactly. it felt appropriate in the sense that we are building to something. but yeah, there's something about the the grace of those wings. you kept saying you were like, so, I man. need more falcon flybys and i I was always like i I don't know. I feel like they were pretty good. yeah, no, I needed more fal- falcon yeah. flybys. this yeah. episode <laughs> like really drove home like it's just graceful. you talk about the shield having nice sound effects though like I can't even like mm. mimic it. It's like the zoom, mm. zoom, yeah. zoom, yeah. zoom. yeah, yeah. In a great radio, Good. you know, just will like, <laughs> <real> master <laughs> Marvel sound effects one day. But Matt, you know, you've been you've been salivating for action for for a while. I know you love WandaVision, but obviously, we're we're looking for this series to really deliver on the mm-hmm. uh, action side. Uh, I'm curious, New York City battle. How do we do?
2: I loved it. It, um, you know, something about superheroes of New York, man. It's just mm. you can't beat it. You really can't beat it. And uh, you know the fact. I think we just talk about all the action here. I think everybody got their moment as far as action. You know, uh, you know, Bucky had a lot of, you know, really cool moments. Really, Bucky, you know, for the first time, you know, just playing save the day guy. You know, like getting saving people out of the truck. Stopping something from falling on somebody. All those different things. I like that, uh, you know, resource role he played throughout this. Um, first time I watched it, I felt like they didn't really give Bucky a lot to do. Specifically in these action scenes. And I, I see that's kind of a character thing. You know, he's, he's helping people. Like, he's not just fighting. He's helping people. Uh, John Walker had his <laughs> moment. Um, we'll get into him later. And, uh, you know, a team of super soldiers. I, we, we were teased with it in Civil War. I'm a big fan of just four or five super soldiers going to town on somebody. So I thought the action was great. It's so funny. Um, when the suit first popped up and he started having his fight in that red room the with all that red lighting, I I couldn't get out of my brain. I'm like, dude, I wish this was noon on a Wednesday and it was just bright and I could see every little thing about this suit. And then he eventually got into better lighting throughout the episode. But then when John Walker came out with his U.S. agent outfit that was all black and it was so bright in that room, I was like, I wish this was in the middle of the night on third floor <laughs> of a factory. Like, I, I need this to be darker. So like, I, I it was the contrast of what I wanted out of these suits, like as far as like where they were set was really funny cuz that played in at the end. But um I, the action like you said, incredibly well paced. 15 20 minutes of it right from the top, you know, this like smacks you in the face, getting it out of the way is not the right word, but it you know kind of pushes it in the front and you know we get all that right away and then 20 minutes of game of thrones style resolution at the end of the finale. Um yeah, I thought I thought it was um like you said, like a really awesome final set piece for a big action fight and I'm a fan.
0: Yeah. And the final bit we have to talk about with Sam Wilson, um, even though we kind of just talked about the action in general, there is the most intriguing bit about him. It's the character of who Sam Wilson is. And we got a lot of moments uh, of rich Sam Wilson character development here, but I feel like we got to start out with the one. uh, Actually, I kind of want to talk about the fight with Carly a little bit because he consistently says like, I don't want to fight you, you know, like this is like, he's playing completely defense. She's a teenager, I believe maybe early twenties. It's very ambiguous because <laughs> she's got like a very young face, but clearly carries herself like an older person, like someone Super wise terrorist. beyond use. <laughs> <you>. Yeah. So, <laughs> so his whole like, I, I don't want to fight you. I, I mentioned to one of my friends on Facetime, well, as we like to do after these episodes, end was, I was, I was waiting for for him to say it wouldn't have made any sense. But like, you know, I, I I'm not going to fight you. Like, you're my friend. I'm with yeah, you to yeah, the yeah. end of the line. Carly. You're my mission. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh again just hammering home the idea of you know sam's a, a mediator you you got you, we got an article coming out Oh, we got an article coming out baby we got an article coming out where mr matt remke out. is going to dive into uh sam may not you know he may not have super strength he may not have a super serum but he definitely has a super power mm-hmm. um and yeah his his mediator skills are are bar none but that scene with you know the cameras are on and he knows it but he's not holding anything back and he's talking to these politicians and it keeps going. Like that could have easily, that could have been ended, you know, shake hands. Like, you know, you're our new captain America. Let's move on. That could have been ended at, you know, you, you can't do this. Okay. Yeah. We'll do better. Move on. Like, no, he let him hear it. And he was fair. He wasn't just like shouting for the sake of shouting. Like he was just being stern and, and voiceful of complaints that be a completely honest, like, hit ring true in our real world like there are real complaints that he was making that I feel are apparent in in today's society and it hit different and those that was one of the moments where uh I don't know if I I don't think I was, I was already crying from before but I was like it made me like you know like nod my head I was like yeah like yeah you talk that talk Anthony Mackey like thank you so I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts uh Sam standing up to a couple a couple crooked senators who just really don't have the best interests in mind what, what were you thinking?
2: Uh, Sam Wilson's best part of this show. I think mm. that there's no doubt about that. Um, I think that the line and that, that entire speech he has, which I, I'll admit, it's a little annoying that it was just a news broadcast, you know, just cause like, come on, like let's get this guy a microphone or something. Right. But, uh, somebody <laughs> pointed yeah. out, um, I think it was Paris from kind of funny, uh, shout out, uh, our friends at kind of funny. He pointed out like that there seemed to be a sense of, um, you know, Sam knew, this was his only chance to get a public platform, because if they get into a big conference room, if they get into a big bureaucratic situation, they're not going to give him you know, the time of day. So this was his chance to not only say what he wants to say, but say it to the world. And uh, so I take that back almost immediately. But I just I hate news and movies. It's just a pet peeve. But um, it's it was. I mean, easily top five. I don't. I, I wouldn't even know how to rank this. This would be something we need to, you know, really dive into. One of the greatest speeches ever given in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was. It was so Captain America, man. It was so just perfectly Cap. And I think that that speech, that whole notion, in this show really defined what Captain America is. He is not just a superhero being captain America means so much more than strength and being able to do this all day and doing this and doing that. Right. Um, but like that entire speech, he hit so many points that rang so true. Like, um, you know, uh, you know, right now, police officers in America, like it's a very polarizing and hot button issue, but Sam kind of represented, um, you know, people who are soldiers for the community when he says, I come out here every day and I know half the people out here are going to hate me for it, but I do it because I want to do right. I want to help people. Um, You know, I, I know that I'm going to get shit for this, but I do it anyway because I do what I believe in. Almost like he could do this all day, you know? And, and that last line, not, not last line, but that, that big impactful line he has when he says, I'm standing here. No super soldier serum, no blonde hair, no blue eyes. But my superpower is, I believe we can do better. And when you look at the Sam Wilson character, that is so true. His superpower is understanding and humanity and talking to people and knowing how to talk to people and and helping. And the fact that this was planted in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, because that's his role. He helps people. That's all he wants to do. And it's all he has ever done in the MCU. And this show did such a great job putting a spotlight on it. And then letting people know that, like, this this Captain America, he, he can't lift a car over his head, and he can't survive, you know, an alien attack, but he will uh, defend Marvin Gaye all day, every day. He will make a joke at your expense whenever he wants to, and he will believe in people. And not only will he, he will fight for that belief. And the fact that that is now Captain America, and it was done so well, bravo. I mean, the Sam Wilson character skyrockets just like wanda and vision did after WandaVision. vision just an unbelievably great storytelling of how this character became captain america not did he get the shield or not how did he get the shield it was just so well done it's it's an authentic evolution
0: because you you could have easily started this show with him in the stars and stripes and oh what's the new conflict like what bad guys are up to no good and he's captain america from the jump like the the journey that that and spellman take anthony mackie on through five episodes you you i kind of put myself in like bucky shoes of like like why did you take that shield like what's going on like i i don't get it and you know now seeing the finale seeing the trials and tribulations and seeing the conversation last week with isaiah bradley but even more impactfully seeing isaiah's reaction to that tv something i kind of expected to happen i i expected a quick cut to uh the bradleys watching some sort of telecast of like damn he 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 actually did it he actually you know embraced the role um it was impactful and it it redefines in almost a similar but like apples and oranges way of wanda now being scarlet witch when we hear scarlet witch we have nine episodes of what that means like oh like he she's the scarlet witch like that's a that's a title rooted in like importance and power and even some evil now when we hear captain america or we see that suit we don't necessarily look at that as sam just putting it on because it was his wardrobe for today like that's a symbol like that has meaning that that took like as he said every day i wake up and i know millions of people are going to hate me so every time we see him wear that suit we know in the back of his of his mind he's thinking that but he still does it because he believes that we can do better So impactful. One line that uh, you didn't mention that I did want to talk about that like really like hit home, uh, just not hit home personally, but just like globally of what everything is going on was when he mentioned like, oh, the politician was like, we're going to go and we're going to roll and we'll make those decisions. And it's like, yeah. And who are you looking across from when you make those decisions? Like more politicians. Like you're not looking at the common man. You're not looking at the everyday average person. Like you don't have one of us in the room to tell you how we're feeling. So that another line of just like authentic human emotion and it just it felt genuine and it's weird because i don't know which parts of this series were shot pre the summer and covid and everything that went on um on which which things were worked afterwards but a lot of this script was was written and shot pre covid pre um protest during the summer and it still rings true like it doesn't feel like a forced commentary it feels like an appropriate reflection on our reality.
2: The organic dealings of real world issues is the best part of this show. Like I just said, Sam, but that's what Sam Wilson is organically and realistically confronting the issues of the world, knowing his position, knowing who he's talking to, all of that. He still manages to get it done. Um, it's so nuts to think that this is 10 years of storytelling for the Captain America. Um, character and you know you said it in articles over and over I've said it in articles over and over it's it's not the perfect soldier but a good man and this like this was such an amazing representation of what being a good man is not just a good man but a good man that has everything going against him you know what I mean being a black man in America hard to get through the day sometimes to be a good man on top of all that like like in in the buoyancy in which they showed it it was i i can't i can talk for days about the sam wilson character and how they subverted expectations in a wide scope by this wasn't just oh how does he physically get the shield and you know start being captain america this was how does he mentally and emotionally work his way into accepting the shield and i think that transitions nicely into Our next point of topic, and that's Isaiah Bradley, you know, a bigger star in this episode than I thought he was going to be. I didn't think we'd see him again. Um, Last week, I left that episode a little jarred just because Isaiah had a very um, impactful speech about how, you know, the world's not ready for a black Captain America. No self-respecting black man would ever want to be. And then, you know, a couple scenes later, it's Sam basically saying, you know, I get it, but he's wrong. And, and I was just jarred that that's how Sam reacted to that conversation. But after seeing this episode and seeing the conversation he has with Isaiah, and it's the line, we built this country. We bled for it. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let anybody tell me I can't fight for it. Even you. Like, like again, the, the leader that Sam is, he knows when to push back. He knows when to tell Bucky he needs to stop crying and do the work. He knows when to tell Isaiah, I feel you. I would feel that way had I been what you went through. But everything you did will will be cast away if I don't keep fighting. And they dealt with my problem of the last episode in this episode with Sam and Isaiah, and I love that because it now makes episode five better for me. And um, it what did you think of the Sam-Isaiah stuff? I, I mean, obviously it was emotional and it was impactful, but I also think that it uh, was the most resolving storyline of this entire show. This one had the most... Um, impactful ending to me
0: resolving is is barn on the best way to put it because i I didn't think we were going to get a resolution i i definitely expected after episode two with where we left isaiah that there was going to be another conversation but i thought he was going to be a means to an end of he's a vehicle to get to get sam to where he needs to be i didn't expect sam and you know in hindsight he's just he's the good man not the perfect soldier like he cares about helping people I kind of should have expected this, that he wouldn't just be like, oh, well, like, thanks for the advice, but you're wrong. I want to go save the day, you know, take pictures back in Louisiana and move on with my life. Like, no, he wins the fight. He, the flag smashers are no more. And he, he goes back to Baltimore and talks with him again. And the, the relentless aspect of, you know, you, everyone's had conversations with people who like, you can tell that they're just not going to budge uh, even no matter how, how much you try to teeter and be like, come on, like, let's get something out of you. Like, like, you know, he says, you know, did you, do you ever ease up? And he's just like, no, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, nah. I'm stern. I'm stern since, uh, the Korean war and all that. Th- he, he doesn't give up on Isaiah, even though he's only met him twice. And it would be so easy to be like, this is this old man's never going to change. He, he keeps, cause. he knows that deep down, like there's, there's a way to get to him. And that last moment with Isaiah was so impactful. Um, I thought that it was going to end. I thought we were just going to see him once um, when he was like reacting to the TV. Uh, Also very impactful to have um, Elijah Richardson's uh, Eli Bradley um, right there by his side, um, because obviously I with how much screen time he got in this episode more than the past two man's going to play a big role in the future of the MCU. But what really got me was, you know, when he said like, I I got something for you and you know, Eli's like, where are we going? I knew exactly where they were going. I knew it was coming, but it didn't didn't lessen the impact. Well, I, I expected them to go back to the museum and, you know, show the history. And I, at first I thought it was just going to be a statue, which is what they showed, but then they show the panel mm-hmm. and, you know, shout out Brian Grodzky founded the direct. He, he assigned an article earlier today with the, the text from those panels actually transcribed. And it is transparent as hell. They, they don't mm-hmm. shy away from it. They don't just say he was a hero. They're like, we, we messed up. Like we, re- we erased his history. We told his family that he was dead. We, we forcefully experimented on him. He was not voluntarily a super soldier. And I think when Isaiah reads that and then he, he gives Sam not just a handshake, but he, he hugs him, it makes it that much more impactful. Isaiah Bradley, sneaky. Not, I can't say like one of my like top five, but like he's like almost in my top 20 of like favorite MCU characters because in just mm-hmm. three episodes, the amount of history Carl Lumley was able to convey and the amount of pain it it felt authentic., um, it felt real. I've been saying authentic a lot this episode, so., it's okay. uh, but it's still like, you know, it still rings true. it it's a it's an appropriate word to describe everything that they've done with this show because of how real it feels. But, yeah, Isaiah Bradley, I, I don't know if we see him again because he had such perfect resolution, but I do definitely think we see Eli again, which is exciting for the future because the the two Bradleys, in my opinion, were very organically. Um, ingrained characters into this show when they could have easily felt like vehicles,
2: like a means to an end. Or even just a prop to say that we talked about racial injustice. You know what I mean? They, they yeah. could have done that. And it, I, I, I've been saying it since episode two, they, they refused to do that. And I love, I love them. I love that decision. Um, I will get into post-credits later, but um, what an opportunity for a post-credit miss there where Eli's walking out of the museum. He just looks over to the left a little bit, sees Cap's first shield, the the wooden one with the points. He just kind of looks at that because in the comics, Patriot, that's the shield he has. That first, that very first Captain America shield before he gets the vibranium one. Like, what a moment it would have been if Eli just kind of looked over at it and just like, huh, would have been dope. Just Like,
0: you know, the the one of my favorite end credit scenes is the second Winter Soldier one when Bucky, who yeah. is still, oh, yeah. you know freaking out doesn't really know who he is looks at his panel and it slowly pans around to him yeah eli like in the museum just kind of gave (laughs) it like a nice little like maybe even give a little (laughs) a little uh terrence howard roadie next time baby or whatever but uh, next time baby (laughs) Uh, let's let's talk about our our other our second titular character if you will um bucky bucky we we knew it was coming um in terms of we we expected that that loose end to get tied up but He makes peace with with his list. Every name is crossed off. He gifts Mm -hmm. it to his therapist and he kind of moves on. But that scene, uh, uncomfortable to say the least. And he kind of left the way I feel like anyone would, where at least from what we saw, it didn't feel like it was a perfect ending Mm because Mr. Nakajima is wildly upset. I don't (laughs) know if he fully apologizes. He just kind of tells him the truth. And moves forward mm-hmm. and yeah it, I, um... was, it was uh is it is it fair to call it like a needle drop of emotion i know you're the needle drop
2: guy was there a song that played is that what you're getting at or just like do you, just, like like was, the it was underneath the song we wanted oh i don't know i don't know what song it was it,
0: i don't think it had a name but it was just like the music underneath was just oh. like swelling up and then he just kind of leaves
2: He's just kind of like, here's the information. I, I don't know I, how to
0: go forward from here.
2: I, um, that moment, I thought, you know, I, when I first watched it, I had that kind of thought, like, so how'd that go? You know what I mean? Like, like, was that, you know, successful or whatever? But thinking back on it all day, uh, when he passes the sushi restaurant, they have sake. They have sake in other restaurants, Chinese restaurants, I maybe? Bu- I believe so. Okay. I need to go to more Asian restaurants. I think I just to Thai, Thai food, food the
0: other day. I got a yeah. Thai food the other day, and sushi was on the menu. So,
2: well, there you go. So anyway, they pass that Japanese restaurant, and uh, Bucky looks into the window, and you know sees Yuri there talking to old girl from New Girl, and um, you know the the That's where well, she's from. Yeah, she's yeah. Uh, one, one of Nick's girlfriends. Um, she looks at him, and she smiles, and acknowledges that he's there, but she keeps talking to Yuri. And how I saw that was, um, obviously, Bucky told Yuri what happened. But how can we expect Yuri to be friends with Bucky after that? You know what I mean? He may not be, you know, I hate Bucky Barnes. Like he, That might not be it, but, you know, you can't expect him to be friends. But I saw that as Bucky sacrificing the only friendship he has for Yuri to have some closure. And, you know, they both understand it. They both understand, yes, we probably can't hang out on a daily basis, but thank you for giving me that knowledge. Thank you for giving me that closure. I know it was hard for you. It was hard for me. I thought that was a really good signifying moment of Bucky has not moved on from being the Winter Soldier. He's embracing his past. He has redeemed himself being an Avenger, fighting Thanos, you know, pardoned by the president, you know, for everything that he's done. But now he's emotionally starting to redeem himself. And I I thought that was a really good moment. He did give Steve Rogers' book to his therapist, so that's just, like, a thing she has now, which is, you know, a pretty important book um, from all these movies. So good for her, because she deserved it, right? She helped a lot. Um, I, uh, I I I really enjoyed Bucky's ending. I think in the middle of the season, they had a couple episodes that were very Bucky-focused, what with the Wakanda stuff and him and Zemo and all that. But I think these last two episodes were very Sam-focused. So I it kind of feels like Bucky got kind of pushed aside, because... I mean, at least in this last episode, this is Sam's episode through yeah. and through 100%. So I like that Bucky had that moment. We all knew it was coming. It had to come. But I do appreciate the acting. I do appreciate the storytelling there.
0: Yeah. And I, I think he he was not so much expected to take a backseat, but looking back on it, I thought the, the screen time and the dedication to Sam was appropriate in the sense of like Bucky did get his due. He, get, he got his due in earlier episodes and him taking a less of a spotlight um, role in this episode, I thought was fair to his character. Uh, One more thing I did want to talk about with, with how he reveals the information to Mr. Nakajima again, just because it feels real is how he kind of unravels the sentence. He's like, I need to talk to you about your son. Your son was murdered. Okay. There's revelation. Number one. Didn't know that your son was murdered by the winter soldier okay if if this is how we're going in the mcu history like the winter soldier is probably pretty common taught in history books yeah okay that's crazy what did he do like your son was murdered by the winter soldier who was me yeah do with that information what you will i'm gonna leave now because i i like what else does he he say after that like he can apologize he can freak out or or whatnot and and say i'm sorry and i i i I was under some spell or whatnot. I was I was under the trigger words, but he knows how how other people react. One Tony Stark. Tony Stark, I don't care. He killed my mom. And sure Nakajima on. is not exactly like a superhero. He's he might not fight him, but he knows what he's thinking. I don't care if you were under words under Hydra's spell. It was you. You did yeah. it. And as as Bucky says, I think it it was not Civil War when he says, like, oh, did you even remember them? He's like, I remember every, every single one of them. So even though he, it might not have been him who pulled the trigger, his mind was still behind the bullet, which is crazy.
2: I appreciated that scene a lot.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely, it, it provided almost Winter Soldier closure. I don't think he's fully done in that role. Um, I in think terms he's embracing of embracing it. Embracing it almost, yeah. yeah. Closure to a previous chapter of the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And I think we move yeah. forward from here. Uh, let's kind of get into, I know in other episodes, other reviews, excuse me, we kind of get the negatives out of the way, but this is this was one of those episodes where we have to talk about the good stuff first because oh. it was so good. It was great even. Well, let's talk about some of the negatives. Um, the Flag Smashers. I really, like, I felt like every episode, they started at like a 10 level of excitement, not 10 level of like love or these are great bad guys, but you heard me in our first review. These guys are Thanos sympathizers. That's yeah, such a yeah, cool yeah. storytelling <laughs> technique. And then each week you learn a little more. You you kind of put yourself in their shoes and, and try to sympathize. I again do think that they are victims of some rewrites, but even in a world where this where COVID doesn't happen and a pandemic plotline is is integrated, if that even was the case, it's still only a rumor. I still find myself hard to like relate to them, it, uh, hard to empathize. Uh, I thought the best stuff they did with this episode with the Flag Smashers was showing a little of the pushback from the other members where, you know, let's kill more people. And then they're like, whoa, you really want to do that, Carly? One world, one people. It's silent. One world, one people. And then they recite it. I thought that stuff was strong. But I kind of went into this episode not expecting to care about the Flag Smashers. And for that reason, I wasn't really let down. But they didn't do anything to, to raise me back up.
2: Um, you, you almost took the words right out of my mouth. These, this group, Carly specifically, honestly, like, you know, if we could single it out to just Carly got less interesting every time that they came on screen, you know, there was the mystery of what they are in the first episode and then finding out who they are in the second episode was great. But then from then out, it just felt like I, like you said, cared a little less every time I learned more about them. And I think, I think you're right. This was a COVID related tragedy as far as the story development here. But it's just unfortunate, and, and it for unfor—it's unfortunate that this might not be anybody's fault. But at the end of the day, the product is the product. We got to look at it as such. Um, you know, but I I look at Thor: Dark World very poorly just because I don't like Natalie Portman's performance in there. There were off-screen issues that led to that, but I still I don't take those into account when I watch the movie because the movie is the movie. I digress. Um, with this show when I saw that the title of the episode was one world one people I was like okay it's gonna be a flag smasher episode and i I, I, I don't like the flag smashers I mean I even I don't know what the pandemic plotline would have been but like at the end of the day these are terrorists who are just killing people to send a message and and when the plan goes awry she's like all right well we'll just kill everybody the message will get across anyway And she says two or three times in this episode, "Hey, it doesn't matter if I die. This is gonna be, this is gonna be just fine. You know what I mean? Doesn't matter what happens. Everything's gonna be just fine." So, did she win at the end of the day? Like, like so? It's it. It felt very one note. The flag smashers. The interesting thing was we talked mid season and the middle of the season was so exciting because there were so many antagonists at play. There were the flag smashers, there was Walker who we'll get to, there was Sharon who we'll get to. And then there was Zemo and then there was the power broker looming in the background and all these different things. Right. And you know, the, this, the fact that all these different pieces were kind of playing around Sam and Bucky and what they were doing was really interesting. It's unfortunate to me as a person who didn't like the flag smasher line, At the end of the day, the flag smashers were the main antagonist. Like it wasn't just, you know, like okay, Flag Smashers and John Walker. Like this was Flag Smashers versus John Walker. This was Flag Smashers versus Sharon Carter. So I um I'm disappointed not disappointed. I'm I'm let down by the Flag Smashers overall one noteness. I do think that, you know, it was a sign of, you know, we had to stop shooting this for six months and things had to happen. And I I I get it. But when I look at this show and when, you know, next week, we're going to be putting this on our MCU list. I'm not going to consider COVID as far as in my rankings. You know what I mean? Because the product is a product and the villain is such an important part of modern superhero movies because it was once Marvel's biggest weakness, you know, one note, you know, predictable bad guys being bad guys, villains. It's now become such a strength that when it is a one note villain, like the Flag Smashers ended up being it's disappointing and it's also disappointing when they set them up very cool but they digressed which makes it stand out i think a little bit more
0: yeah i think it's all fair criticism and like as as much as i want to excuse some bits because of reworkings you can't you can't just like if we if we asterisk every marvel project like it it would just be an unfair list because we can't just rank stuff based on what ifs we have to Go based off what we ended up getting. Uh-huh.
2: It's unfortunate. And so it
0: is. It's unfortunate, but uh, I I do believe you know the season has now wrapped up. I'm sure we'll get more answers in terms of reworkings and whatnot. I I don't know if everything will get revealed because I think a lot of stuff will stay close to the vest. But you know, here's hoping we at least learn a little bit more about what what at least the flag smashes were originally intended to be. uh yeah. I do want to talk about John Walker a lot um, just because. <laughs> man this guy
2: hold on we usually we usually do we usually do these and you're always like i do want to talk about john walker a little bit i do want to talk about this a little bit but i would like to talk about john walker a lot and i'm here for it let's go let's do it
0: well because i had no (sighs) anticipation of of where I would be with John Walker in this episode, I expected to just kind of like laugh when he showed up on screen. And when he yeah. first did, I was like, oh man, when he goes like, Morganthau and he shows up with his shields and his arts and crafts gets just destroyed the, the second he first throws it, big dent, because it's made out of like aluminum or whatnot. But he, in this episode, I, I put out a tweet. He's not exactly the same as Jamie Lannister, but similar in the sense that season one of Game of Thrones, I hated Jamie Lannister hated like I I was I was angry at every time he was on screen because of how much of a dick he was. And then somehow over the course of, you know, seven more seasons organically and subtly, he came around and he went from being 100% heel to like 80% heel. And then by the time just going to forget season eight happened and how his character ends by the time, you know, season seven came around. I'm like, I really like this guy. This is like Mm -hmm. my favorite character in the show. Yeah. John Walker is not my favorite character in the show. And I don't really like him. But his relentlessness and the fact that he was never giving up and the fact that he shows up to this fight when his his and Sam's comparison of pushback is not at all comparable. Do not mm-hmm. get me wrong. But he is similar in the sense that he shows up. The whole world hates him. The whole world is like, you right. you killed a guy, broadcasted all across social media. You disrespected the shield. We don't like you. And he still shows up and still comes to the fight. The one that really got me was when he was lifting the armored truck and trying his hardest. And then a bunch of flag smashers beat him up and he just falls with them. Like he doesn't succeed. It it would be one thing if he succeeded. And I was like, (laughs) ah, I still hate you, but like good work. The fact that he tried and still failed and, you know, even kind of walks side by side with Bucky at the end. Uh, it did a lot for me in terms of me being like, all right, John. Hey, John Walker, like, you all right? Like, it's yeah, all right. You, like, you you're good? You uh, good, dude? I've, I've, c- I've come around. I've come around on <laughs> on Wyatt Russell. I know. I know you're a big Wyatt Russell guy, awesome. and not so much that you were a big John Walker guy, but like, you appreciated his character throughout this entire season. Absolutely. What did this final episode do for you in terms of the future of John Walker? So,
2: the thing is, I. I love, love so much what they did with this character episodes one through five, because it was that, you know, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? And then he starts drifting into that dark twisted, you know, just defeated John Walker. We see at the end of episode five, but you know, through the whole thing, he was never a bad guy. You know what I mean? He didn't like, he he didn't mean to do anything bad. He just, you know, lost control. But I think that they did such a good job with episodes four and five showing, like I said, the spiral of John Walker, you know, going from this optimistic, doing the right thing, John Walker, Captain America. Nice to meet you. That guy into the cynical beat vengeance driven John Walker. We see making his own shield because he's fucking lost it. He snapped. So he's making his own shield. He I am Captain America and he won't give it up. I really like how dark they went with him, and and how heel he was. You know what I mean? Like that was a heel turn of all heel turns, and it was so. And, and then they even brought in Julia Louis Dreyfus and gave him this like, you know, uh, poor. Uh, how do I put this? Like like this villainous backer. You know what I mean? Like somebody supporting him. Like you know what? Keep doing bad stuff. You know what I mean? Embrace He'll the manager. Dark- Yes. Do it, you know, embrace the dark side stuff. You know, having that, you know, having that, I think added another layer to it. And I was, I, I I almost didn't want him in this episode because I do like where we left off with the ambiguous U S agent, you know, tie in could be Thunderbolts, whatever. But like, I figured when I, when you told, when you told me he was going to be in this episode, I was like, okay, I want him to show up. Just like, all he wants to do is kill Carly, just manic, just wants to beat the, you know, still lost his mind. Keep that heel turn. You know, when he's sh- in episode five, when he straps up and says, Time to go to work. Like, that's terrifying. That's the Terminator, man. Like, like that's horrifying stuff because you you know he means it. It is time to go to work. His work is beating your ass. And he showed up in this one, Morganthal, and I was like, yes, he's pissed. I love it. But then <laughs> But then it's like him and Bucky are like buddies. It'd be one thing if they like conflictedly had to work together, but they were literally like buddy, buddy partners in this. And like, they were even cracking jokes. And it was a hilarious joke. The When he says the Abraham Lincoln line and then Bucky goes, Abraham Lincoln, really? And then job Walker straight back to episode two. Great man. Great, great morals. You know, just, you know, job Walker, captain America. Nice to meet you. What happened to the dude who got his arm broken because he refused to give up the shield. What happened to that guy? And, and it all came to a head at the very end of his story, when he's literally ends the show where he has such a tragic character arc. You know what I mean? He's a dark, tragic character. By the end of episode five, he literally ends this show dancing and saying, I'm back. I'm back. My back. <laughs> um, Spider-Man 2. Uh, but, but like, I, 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 I'm not saying it's overtly bad, but it's just, I don't like that decision personally.
0: No, it just got me when you're just
2: like, um, I'm, I'm back. That's exactly yeah. what he was saying, man. Like I'm back. No. Like that's how, that's our last shot of John Walker's. I'm back. Woo. <laughs> not my John Walker. <laughs> no, no. <laughs>
0: It went from being not my cap to not my John Walker. <laughs> yeah, who would have he's, thought? He's, he's lost his own uh-huh. identity. But uh, I'm excited think... to see
2: him in the future. I'm excited to see him in sure. the future. I just wish, in, for, for, and we'll get to this here in a second. Sorry to interrupt. We'll get to this here in a second. For this being a show that is so incredibly contained as far as the MCU, you know what I mean? Like The only characters affected by the show are the characters in this show. So I'm excited to see... Yeah, john, i broke liam i'm excited to see john walker in the future but i just wish in this show his character arc stuck i'm back i can't get yeah, over I'm it. Back. my back <laughs> episode 30 of the podcast that was genuinely
0: the funniest moment i think that's ever happened um Hell but uh i think i think it's a very fair criticism uh i just i personally i look at it more as like this guy just needed a win and even though he was upset and like angry and like in a manic stage, I think where he was when he shows up to that battle, if he kicked ass and won in like a minute, two minutes, I think he continues to be rageful John Walker. But I think also like he gets his ass kicked. He gets overwhelmed. He gets swarmed by flag smashers. When he kind of embraces the role of like, okay, I'm here to help Bucky and Sam, essentially. When he becomes a part of that winning team, essentially... You know, I'm trying to think of a sports analogy, but like uh, a, a big star on like a, a small market team that signs you know,
2: just through the season.
0: yeah, signs halfway through the season. And like you know what, I'm just I'm happy to get a ring. I'm happy mm-hmm. to uh...
2: ring <laughs> chasing <there>. John
0: Walker. <laughs> ring chasing John Walker. Yeah, he's yeah. like he's not in the starting lineup. He's just uh-uh. on the bench. You know, Woo, let's go. <laughs> like you know, he's just happy to be there. Um, uh, that, that's that's how I see him. Yeah, (laughs) you Um, ever see the the Brooklyn Nets bench? Oh, they're great. Before they got all the stars, it was like uh, D'Angelo Russell, and they're just like, you know, yeah, let's go. So good, D'Angelo Russell, what a guy.
2: Um, I, I, I mean, and people are gonna say, you know, well, he had that moment where he could have gone after Carly, but he went for the bus instead and saved those people. I get that, and and that's why I don't think it's overtly bad. Yes, it makes sense, but it isn't particularly interesting to have this amazing heel turn and then it immediately gets flipped on a dime, not even a whole episode later. This is 20 minutes into the episode. This is like four or five scenes later. You know, he's, he's back to episode two, John Walker. And it's just, I feel like it it could be another COVID case rushed, man. Just so rushed, like giving him a redemption arc. So soon after you broke this dude down episode by episode, takes away some of the impact of the bloody shield takes away some of the impact of the broken arm. And it takes away some of the impact of that trial scene, which was, you know, that's the most redeeming he had been, you know, like we don't need to see him be a good guy for us to understand his pain. That trial scene did that. It just kind of feels like it lessens that because he's dancing in the moonlight at the end of this, not just moonlight, the brightest room in the history of Washington, D.C., it's, it, this is a wood-paneled, glorious oak room with the brightest day in the history of America outside. And this dark, tragic figure has a new all-black outfit. I'm like, put this in a grungy sewer where he's like, you know, like, I don't know. It wasn't villainous, and he's supposed to be a villain. And it just, ah, ah. I
0: I liken it to you know I'm not super well versed on on WCW back in the day but
2: like oh yeah
0: remember Sting like oh, yeah. Sting just Sting just wanted to beat the NWO and mm-hmm. he he was you know the blonde hair blue eyes good guy and then he gets beaten down by the system eventually comes back in a trench coat wearing crow face paint but he's still going after the NWO because like it's it, those are still the guys who like sure he was wronged by like other rivals or whatnot but like he was still against the the group that mentality so i i i hear a lot of what you're saying and i feel like future john walker projects will kind of as retroactive mcu i'm, I'm sure yeah. next time we Still see tented. him we might look back on this and say it was more appropriate but everything you say rings true uh i just you know beauty of these projects i just i saw it just a, a tad differently one thing sure. i don't think we saw differently though uh is sharon carter sharon carter uh Sharon Carter is so is you as uh the power broker? I don't know if I can do batch That rock. was solid.
2: That was our I mean <laughs> the, I don't know if it was specifically backdrop but it was French. It was yeah, definitely yeah. fridge <laughs> uh, I kind of want you to lead this one because this is
0: this is one we've been talking about for for a bit. Sharon Carter, rolling this show.
1: What the horned? hell?
2: What the hell, man? I mean, uh, she had one scene in episode three where she kicked a bunch of ass with that baton. And then she had that moment when Zemo shot the scientist where she goes, what'd you do? And that's it. Like she was given so little to do moving forward, but they made sure we saw her 20 seconds a week just so we kept thinking, Oh, maybe she's a power broker because like you look at her roles in episodes four and five, hell even this episode, she's really not doing a lot. And, 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 you know, you can complain about little, you can nitpick all day. But at the end of the day, my complaint about Sharon Carter is she was revealed as the power broker. And then immediately everybody who knew she was a power broker dies. So what has to happen now is somewhere down the line, the rest of the characters are going to learn that Sharon is the power broker. And it's going to be a moment that's supposed to be like, what? But the audience sitting here like, well, yeah, we've known that for so long. You know what I mean? Like, it's so it's helped me understand the decision to reveal that she's the power broker, but Sam doesn't know. Bucky doesn't know the government doesn't know. I, I, I liked the idea of her being now infiltrated into the government. And there's other reasons I like that too. We'll get to, but, but like the, the power broker was a specific, you know, looming presence in this show. And at the end of the day, we learn that it's Sharon. Yes, but we don't learn why. We don't learn how. We don't even know what the power broker really does. You know, she sells stuff to bad people. We knew that going into this episode. All we learned about was that the power broker was Sharon. And the fact that no other living character knows means that we're going to have to learn that again as an audience.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it,
2: sho- shoehorn's a good word. Shoehorn's a good word
0: it's a very good point i didn't even consider the fact that yeah we will have to like and sharon was the power broker oh my god like, what? Dude, we know <laughs> we know uh i i like the decision of where she goes from here the idea that she you know i'll all gladly you know take back my position and work in government because uh you know a little movie that I, I seem to enjoy. Cap Winter Soldier deals with oh. a, a parasitical presence within a big <laughs> intelligence organization. So the idea of her, you know, manipulating her way into into government, learning dirty secrets is intriguing. But that said, she out of all the out of all the characters put in this show, including even like Batrock, she felt the most like, here's a supporting cast member from the Captain America franchise that didn't get a ton of screen time before, but just to reassure that this is like a a, a familiar cast, we're going to put Sharon Carter in. And I, even just her character being the power broker alone, I just, I don't buy it fully. Like she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And even, even that decision being like, they already kind of let the air out for when it eventually does get fully revealed to all our characters I just, I don't r- truly believe that Agent 13, a character we've seen in two movies previously, I, what, she wasn't at Tony Stark's funeral, was she? Maybe briefly? No. no. Um, so two movies previously, couple episodes here, like an agent who was never even hinted at being on like a Black Widow level of agent is now like the most powerful person in Madripoor which we're supposed to believe is like the criminal hub like this is the the baddest of all places like a safe haven for the biggest villains in the history of the MCU i just that's one that like you know in a world where we have to believe that a purple alien and his rock collection sure. can commit genocide <laughs> that made me have to suspend my disbelief a little bit because i was like i just i don't see how she rises in the ranks other than the fact of she showed up in madripoor and it was like Oh, well, you know, those those Avengers over in the States, like I'm friends with a couple. Okay, we'll get you involved with this person, this person. And maybe over the course of like seven years, she worked her way up. But it did. I'm pretty sure she was snapped, which even makes it even more disbelievable that she was able to rise to being this this giant figure. One thing I will say, though, is. She never said, I am the power broker, Batrock said, Oh, so you're the power broker. And she like responded. I think it was way too on the nose unless there's a much bigger reveal coming down the line. And they wanted to like subvert our expectations here and kind of do like a reverse Trevor Slaughtery Mandarin twist where it's like, Oh, here's what it is. And then, Oh, something bigger is coming down the line. But I I don't see that being the case. I feel like this is kind of uh, writings on the wall in, in terms of where Sharon goes from here and yeah it's just it's an odd decision and it definitely left me not with like a a full-on sour taste but like in an episode that made me cry on multiple occasions like where we left off in that post-credit scene I wasn't like WandaVision like let's go it's the Scarlet Witch I was like oh "Oh, okay Sharon's on the phone it's probably it's probably Ross like
2: you know (laughs) that would be nuts um I just real quick going back I do like the idea of her being the power broker. I like that transition because you know, most powerful person in Madripoor. It's not like that's like some daunting, you know, position that we've known about forever. Like you know, we yeah. don't know how and important it gives her something.
0: It gives her someone to do. To be fair, right?
2: But I I do like the idea of you know a person who was a side character in two movies, a very supportive side character though, always helping Cap, always helping Sam, yada yada yada. You know, get spoiled you know, gets, you know, gets so, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, gets so spiteful that she turns bad and she rises to the ranks. I like the idea of her being the power broker. I've said that for weeks. I just don't like the way they handled the twist. They didn't, they, they still haven't explained what exactly the power broker is. All we know is that the, her name is the power broker. And now we know that she helped Carly get the super soldiers here. That's it. That is it. And it's just everything you just said makes me think maybe we should have had one more episode. And I know that's easy to say now after six episodes are gone, but like that, you know, for as much as I feel like they maybe went too far fleshing out John Walker and rushed that within the last episode, I don't think they went far enough with Sharon Carter. And it's interesting because I was kind of the opposite of you. I had no expectations for Sharon Carter going into this episode and then she played a more important role than I thought, and I was let down by the result. Whereas John Walker, I loved him so much throughout the first five episodes, I was let down at the result at the end of the day. So it's just interesting because you know I don't, I, I don't think these are nitpicks. I think these are what I see as flaws in uh, side characters in this show. Like I said at the top, everything Bucky, everything Sam, everything Isaiah, love, 10 out of 10. But these supplemental characters, just how they were handled, where in the MCU we see supplemental characters being handled so well. I mean, think about Monica and Darcy, and and you know uh, the WandaVision. Think about in Spider Man, Ned and MJ, and how much you really care about those characters in different moments. And those are just the last two projects. Um, we gotta talk post credit scene.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Liam, I did a little research, if you can believe it. Okay. I just I quick scroll the list of every post-credit scene in phase three and beyond, okay? Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of the two post-credit scenes where one's kind of funny, like a little joke, and then mm-hmm. the other one is a, is a serious scene connecting to the bigger MCU. This post-credit scene with Sharon Carter being pardoned getting her job back in the CIA and then revealing that she's still going to be bad in the CIA is my least favorite post-credit scene since phase three started. I can't, I I, I'm looking here. I don't see another post-credit post-credit scene. That's meant to be serious that I dislike more. It's it was, did we need that? Did we really need that? Why didn't we get a second one? Why didn't we get one more important? I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird to look at the show and post-credit scenes differently, but, you know, the show's the show. The post-credit scene in these movies and we even saw in WandaVision is supposed to move the ball forward, intrigue us about something in the future, all that stuff. I feel like I didn't learn anything new in this post-credit scene. Unless Sharon's a scroll. If Secret Invasion pops up and Sharon Carter is not only a scroll leading Madripoor, but also working in the CIA that I would be down for. But this post credit scene didn't get me excited for that. Twitter got me excited for that. Liam, what were your thoughts on the post credit scene which, you know, just seemed like another Sharon Carter beat in this show, not really a post credit scene. Yeah, I
0: don't think that I don't think that that's a super hot take even to say that it was the the least like the the it's weird to say worst cuz with the MCU I'm it looking was so I'm awesome. looking back. We I, I, I'm I, just going to go ahead and call a spade a spade. I do think that this was like one of the worst post credit scenes because it didn't reveal any like we Sharon Carter being the power broker. And as you mentioned, the only two people that find out are two bad guys. So there's no there's no sense of like, oh, should I give this up? Should I like go back and, and, and change and who I am and leave this life of crime and all that? It just reaffirmed that oh, okay, like, yeah, she's bad. Oh, oh, she's back and she's still doing bad stuff. Right. Yeah, we know. Mm-hmm. Um, this would yeah. have been a huge moment if if she was revealed to be a scroll in the post-credit scene. I do think yes, she rises up my ranks of most likely already established characters to be revealed to be a scroll because I feel like her story is the most inconsequential by kind of retconning it as she's always been a scroll. Because you've talked about, not you specifically, but just people listening and people on Twitter. People have talked about, you know, what happens if, if it turns out Nick Fury was always a scroll. That makes you watch Iron Man different and every other movie different. And then it, it does kind of sour a little bit. And some of it feels like retconning. Sharon Carter, I feel like, is one of the best already established characters to shift the narrative and be like, no, she's always been a scroll. Yeah. And it doesn't really consequentially like then you go back and watch Cap Winter Soldier's like, oh man, maybe she wanted to be neighbors with Cap because she wants to keep tabs on him because she was a scroll. Like it does all that cool stuff. That's a reveal that I want to happen though in Secret Invasion. I feel like it's much more impactful there. And yeah. if we if we wait on it for a year, a year and a half, essentially, at this point, it it would sour it a bit. So if she ends up being a scroll, this post credit scene gets redeemed a little bit but it's Mm -hmm. still one of the weaker
2: ones for me um i found the worst postcard scene Mm, and let did a little digging it's Thor: dark world where uh thor comes back and he rainbows onto the roof and kisses natalie portman (laughs) but do you know the story behind it the reason that the shot is so weird and he like grabs her and turns her and stuff it's because it's it's Elsa pataki Yeah. yeah of of uh fast and furious fame um and the, the and, greatest uh, franchise in history elsa pataki is in the mcu people forget she's i i'm learning right here right now she's also a sakaria nurse on sakar looking back at that immediately because i can't get enough of miss pataki those hemsworth kids are going to be the most beautiful people who ever made ever made but um on the sharon carter stuff I I don't want it to drag down what I think about this show because really she wasn't in it that much. If anything, she was a Mandalorian type side character in episode three and then yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? Um, but I, 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 am disappointed that the, both the power broker and Sharon Carter were big factions in this show. They ended up being the same person, which I like the execution. I didn't think just was not interesting. I think it was bad. So, Tough to say, but you know, like we said at the top, the good parts about this show elevate the bad so much. Like like the 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 peaks are so high, the lows are mid-tier, but the peaks are high enough to bring this show right back up to It's going to be so interesting rating this show. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm going to have an interesting time ranking this one. One more one more good
0: note to end on before we we look towards the future and and get into our our season superlatives. How dope uh, was Zemo's butler?
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, he was it, the one. That that was funny is what it was. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. I, I enjoyed that, the gloves he was wearing. Yeah. That was fun. Um, I I really thought when they held on his shot there in the raft, I was like, okay, here's our Thunderbolts moment. But it didn't happen. But I thought that was a really cool, all the Super Soldiers are gone, man. It's Bucky and Walker, and that's it. It's Bucky, mm. Walker, and Isaiah, right? Those are the only three left. Uh, Abomination's yeah. out there somewhere. Yeah. And Bruce is out there. Those are Hawkey super soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're,
0: they're, they're a different breed.
2: It, that was such... I When the guy popped up, I had no idea who it was. When the guy popped up and sent that bomb off, I had no idea. But when he went to Zemo, I was like, oh, that was his butler. Nice. Nice. Yeah.
0: I thought... When I saw him in the side view mirror, I thought it was Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin at first <laughs> because he was bald and I couldn't really tell. And I was like, oh, New York City? Wait
2: a minute. And then I was like, nah, there's there's no way. You go back, you read the Civil War comic book, and and even the Secret Invasion comic book that I'm reading right now, that guy looks a lot like Jarvis in the comics. Mm. Like Jarvis is an actual human butler in the comics, and he like helps the Avengers and stuff. I can pull him up. But... um. He looks a lot like him in that show. Is this yeah. So, um, Liam, moving forward, man, where do we see all these characters going? I think that's the big question. That's what we have to answer as we move along. Um, I have here in the rundown, when will we see blank again? Um, so let's start at the top. When will we see Sam Wilson again?
0: Uh, I see Sam Wilson coming back in... In Captain America Four, man, Woo! how how wild is that to say? We didn't even talk about how this this show ends with the credits of a title change, Captain, Captain America, America and Winter and the Winters. so great, so, so great. good, man, so good. Uh, that was one of those moments that like it it hit, and uh, yeah. I I don't think that there's been I mean. No, nothing will ever top the end game, um, end credits, just the end credit sequence. But that this was a very strong one in terms of like... Absolutely. It makes you fist pump as soon as you see the the title. And then you see all the credits, you know, looking back fondly on all the names. And then it ends once more with that great logo. It's like the tattered flag, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And I like how they incorporate, so they incorporate the, uh, you know, like the redacted marks. Yeah. Yes. Like the black sharpie the, mm-hmm. the sharpie is like the stripes on the flag mm-hmm. in the logo ah so great but as they do, where they we're do gone, that
2: in the incredible hawk intro as well yes they do. great call great very call.
0: cool very cool great call the the last movie um to, to come to disney plus one day we'll see
2: we didn't we talk didn't. about sony and netflix we did not Another story for another time. Another time. <laughs> Look out for Spider Man on Disney Plus. Um okay, I think I agree. I think we'll see Sam Wilson in Captain America Four. Um I think I think we'll get a good uh time lapse. Not time lapse. I think the gap will be good for the character because I think once we get to Captain America Four, there will be what at least two years past in our time, right? Yeah, I would say so. At the Mackie least. said he wants to take a break. He's, he been, he's been
0: nonstop since 2013 in terms congrats, of filming.
2: Congrats to Tone Mackey. But by the time we eventually get to him in Cap Four, he might be a little more uh settled into the Captain America role and they will show that in fights. They will show that in you know uh respect other people show him uh you know within the community, within organizations, stuff like that. And I think that'll be natural. Um and then uh Bucky, when do you think we will see Sergeant Barnes again. Did you notice mm. when he was walking into the crime scene, they let him go and they go, Sergeant Barnes? Oh, it made my heart so full, dude. That was so cool. That was so cool. When do you think Did we'll we're... see Sergeant Barnes again?
0: Because you know internally, he's he's jumping for joy because he's been mm-hmm. waiting to, to have that respect. Sergeant Barnes, man. Uh, I would love to see him pop up in the Wakanda series uh, in like a brief role. I, I don't think he'd be a series regular but like a an appearance for an episode similar to how like zemo kind of served in in this uh series but yeah i i feel like he's always going to be moving forward like a supporting role i i don't ever see a bucky led like movie or project but yeah he he's one of those players that i feel like is good for most of the grounded franchises he could pop up in in a in a black widow in a flashback scene he could pop up in a hawkeye and some sort of capacity. Any one of the shows that do- don't deal with like the big supernatural cosmic stuff, I think Bucky's good for. So, but my my in in the in the ground pick is uh the Wakanda series whenever that comes out.
2: Me too. I would love it. I want more White Wolf. I want uh Bucky. I want like Bucky and Nakia doing like a Wakandan uh, s- covert spy mission or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't know. It'd just be so cool. Like it would be cool to see Bucky show up in Wakanda. Just like he did here, and just kind of be like, you know, standoffish and stuff. But when it comes time to get to work, he knows how to do every job. He knows how to work the kimono beads. That's not the right word. Um, uh, all that different stuff. Um, I'm gonna skip John Walker just because you know we kind we've talked about you know Dark Avengers, Thunderbolts. This is where we see John Walker in the future. Do you like the black suit? Yeah, really, I loved it. I loved it because the the entire season his Captain America suit. I I thought in my head the entire time. I mean, it's really cool, but like it just looks like a U.S. agent suit. But then like the reveal is that the it is the exact same suit, but this one's black. I like that a lot. I was a fan. He's big. I don't. Know. Dude. He's yeah, big, big, big. I don't know what it was. I just it's the helmet for me. Really? He's never looked
0: normal in the helmet.
2: But the ears never bothered you with the Sam's cow thing. Is that the first cow in the MCU? By the way. Yo, I think that's what that is, right? With the thing around his face, yeah, Batman thing. That's a thing? cowl. Yeah, I think it's first cowl in the MCU. Yo, that's pretty cool. Shout out the direct. Um, yeah, I like I said earlier, when Sam's uniform was introduced, I wanted it to be daytime, but when John Walker's new uniform was introduced, I wanted it to be nighttime because, like, I just feel like I would have—I I didn't really notice that it was black until they pointed it out. But um, I do like the look. Uh, shout out Julia, Louis-Dreyfus, and that blue hair, man. So sexy. Mm-hmm. Such a fan. Um, so, like I said, we're going to skip John Walker, even though we just talked about him. Sharon Carter. I know we just spent five, seven minutes talking about Sharon Carter. I have a interesting prediction of where she could show up if she's not a scroll. You ready for this? Okay. Hit me. There are two big Iron Man stories in the comics that aren't Avengers related. It's Demon in a Bottle, and it's Armor Wars. Armor Wars is a Disney Plus show coming out starring Don Cheadle as War Machine, but the story behind Armor Wars is, what happens when the most advanced and sophisticated technology in the world falls into the wrong hands? Stark Tech in the hands of the enemy is Armor Wars. Sharon is prime to put some stark tech, some government technology in the hands of the enemy. And I think if they don't go scroll, she could be a great antagonist in Armor Wars because Rhodey's got a relationship with her. There's, there's, she's already got the built in tie in of being in the CIA, but also willing to do dirty deals under the table. So that's my dark horse prediction for Sharon Carter, Armor Wars.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I'm still going to stick with Secret Invasion because I feel like the 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 it's predictable at this point but it's very tailor-made to be a strong storyline but her and armor wars would be pretty dope do we have any other characters that we're looking towards the future Are we ready to get into those season
2: superlatives i can't imagine that there's another character we need to talk about so ladies and gentlemen welcome into the year in review for the falcon and the winter soldier i'm speaking for liam when i say we loved this show we loved what it did we loved how it did it i think a little more than what they did which is a really big thing to say um so thank you carrie scoglin you know uh former guest of the direct um thank you that's
0: that's cool to say
2: yeah it is it is friend of the show carrie carrie scoglin um thank you malcolm spellman for telling a great story and doing it with realism without fear you did a lot of things that people would be too scared to do so we all applaud you for that Tone Mac, Sebastian Stan, Emily Van Camp, uh, David Bruhl, Wyatt Russell, Aaron Kellerman. Who am I missing? You say Emily Van Camp? I did. Ah, uh, Daniel Bruhl, by the way. Like I said, Danny Bruhl, thank you all for putting together such an amazing show. We're going to miss it. We're about to run into a six week gap, and we are going to miss it, but. Two Disney Plus series in, we are over the moon about both. But right now, let's look back on the Falcon and Winter Soldier, six episodes of great television. Here is how the direct.com views the different parts of this show. We had 10 plus writers from our website, thedirect.com, vote on different awards for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, such as character, action scene, non-action scene, cliffhanger outfit at every episode ranked in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I know these rankings. But Liam does not. It's a little surprise factor we're playing here, right? Oh, so, lines. So, we are going to start with who the writers from the direct.com voted as the best character in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Liam, who would you pick as your favorite character in this show and why? Matt, you know
0: me. You know I'm a, a cr- contrarian by nature. I, I like to just disagree because I, I, I hate fitting in and whatnot. Spider
2: Man 3, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but it, next it, week it,
2: go it, on the direct.com
0: <laughs> great teaser great teaser yeah. um but i uh it's got to be sam wilson just because yeah. the the arc he went on i wouldn't even say necessarily character development but character revelations we learned stuff about him that we didn't know existed before he didn't necessarily go on a transformative journey but almost like a self-learning journey so sure. sam wilson for me
2: I would agree, and the winner of the best character in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, of course, Captain America, Sam Wilson. Congratulations, Anthony Mackie, on such an amazing role that you have been able to play. Following up at number two is Bucky Barnes. At number three, who do you think? John Walker? John Walker, not Baron Zemo. Mm. And you know why I think it is? Screen time? The mask. Nope. Yeah, oh my god. The mask that meant nothing but to sell toys. It's going to be a really interesting show to rank because I do have a lot of problems with it. Um, and then at uh, number five, Carly, uh, who you know, like we said, we were both really liked in the beginning. Got a little worse as went on, and then of course Sharon Carter. Best action scene in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I personally went into this thinking this would be a lot of action throughout the show. You said there were two big action scenes in episode. I kind of saw it as more as one big action scene in an episode. Some episodes had two, but um, when action came, it was amazing. Carrie Skoglund, I think if we learned anything about her, what an amazing director when it comes to that close hand-to-hand combat fight. She is so good at putting the camera in the right spot for us to kind of feel every move. Um, Liam, what was your favorite action scene throughout the six episodes of The Falcon and The Winter Soldier or Captain America? and Winter Soldier. Uh, Favorite,
0: I will go with... I'll go with... I really like the cargo truck fight scene just because of how many elements were getting brought in and how dynamic it was. And, you know, helicopter arrives and then John Walker, (laughs) Captain America, him and Battlestar just fist bump like
2: let's go oh, bro the swing kick from battlestar was so out of left field and is it how helicopters work at all and i loved it <laughs> yeah I,
0: I i really enjoyed that action scene it was a little short i think the the best one was the uh the two-on-one falcon and buck versus uh john walker that one had the most emotion to me there were moments sure. where i was like yeah i knew if sam wilson wasn't gonna die but i was also like is he about to like really hit
2: him in the face with the shield right now like sure. sheesh so, um, I would agree. The number one action scene in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as voted on by staff writers of TheDirect.com, is John Walker versus Sam and Bucky. It started the episode off. It had all the emotion of the last episode carried right into it. Like I said earlier, time to go to work was one of the scariest lines we've heard from a bad guy in these movies in a long time, because that was a terrifying... Is it his beard? It's the subtle beard coming back for Wyatt Russell that made him a little more intimidating, you know? Because mm-hmm. we know him with such a big beard, but like the 5 o'clock shadow? Wyatt Russell, man. Biggest winner of this show still, in my opinion, to this day. Um, at number two, sorry about that. At number two, the New York fight. It was 20 minutes long, so I, I, I'd i be upset if it wasn't in the top three. Um, the New York fight followed by the Dormelage fight with John Walker and Battlestar. Very cool. Um, then Falcon and Batroc at the very beginning, all the flying around and, you know, we're back to the wing stuff. And then at number five, your freeway fight, non-action scenes, the emotion, the character development. This is what Disney plus is guys. These are character pieces. Liam, what was your favorite non-action scene? If you can try not to spoil which one wins, that would be sweet.
0: This one was the <laughs> toughest category to vote on because one, this this is my favorite element of the MCU. I, I love the action, but similar to why I love like pro wrestling, I love the storylines more than I love the matches. I love the character moments and the promos more than I love like, you know, actual battles going on in the ring and on screen. So this one, I tried to think of whatever one like moved me the most. And it is the... It's the it's the museum scene with Isaiah at the very end, because even with a very limited amount of dialogue, it did a lot for me in terms of how he reacted to his essentially like memorialization and immortalization into the history books.
2: That's when I cried during that last episode. That's, that's when it got me because that's all he wanted. It wasn't, it wasn't fame. It wasn't money. It wasn't, you know, recognition, even it's just, he wants to be a part of the story, good and bad. You know, a lot of his story is tragic. He just wants it to be a part. And, um, I love that scene so much. My favorite non-action scene besides one the one was the, uh, Bucky and Wakanda, man. That just stole my heart from the moment we heard the music and you know, we pan over and we see the eerily blue sky of Wakanda, you know, if, you know, at night. That that's not just black, that's like blue, blue, you know what I'm saying? Um, I just love that scene so much. And it's just Sebastian Stan, I think, could win an Emmy off that scene alone. Um, him smiling throughout this show, like especially in this last episode, when he sees Sam for the first time and smiles. Knowing how tragic the Bucky Barnes character is, anytime he shows happy emotion, it's like a breakthrough almost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's a yeah. big moment anytime he finds joy in something, and I love that. And that's what that Wakanda scene was—was was him finding joy. But the winner, we can do better. The Captain America speech at the end, at yep. the end of episode six. Like I said, I—I I, looks like I have to put a list together, Liam. Looks like rankings guy going to have to dust off the old keyboard because I think that mm. might be the best speech in the MCU. It's so good. So well done. I know Steve Rogers, good guy. Uh, no, um, I was just saying, I just, I, I think a draft is coming on. Oh no. See that's going to take a long time because we're going to have to transcribe yeah. all these speeches, but no, the meme yeah. I put out today was John Walker is rocket man. He's good at this. And, uh, uh, Bucky is Scott Lang, right? He's and that was so great and I loved every second of it. So well done staff of the direct cliffhangers very much a WandaVision category, but every episode here did have a cliffhanger. There was a big moment at the end of every episode that left us uh waiting for the next one. So Liam, what was your favorite cliffhanger in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier?
0: Dora Milaje, easy because it shocked me. I, you know, for a couple guys that look into just about everything, set photos, leaked images, concept art, toys and everything like it's it's hard to shock me. And this moment is up there with Red Skull and Infinity War. Michael Keaton. Um, Vulture is Peter's homecoming date's dad. And uh, Evan Peters. Oh Evan Peters. Is, yeah, I know. Evan, Evan Peters. Peters too. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it slipped my mind. But yeah, I, I had no idea any type of Wakanda involvement was coming. And with characters that have mo- the most distinguished look, the fact that not a single set photo leaked, and that was a genuine moment, eight in the morning, I'm like, oh my God, what? what? This, this series just took a left turn that I didn't expect. Genuine shock.
2: I completely agree. I had no idea it was coming, and I loved every second of it happening. Um, we're gonna have an outfit award come up soon. I think Ao's all black outfit needs a little more love because she looks good as hell in that shit, bro. Sleek, mm-hmm. got a little cut out there in the side. I like that. Show off the abs a little bit. She works hard for him. Let's show him off. Yeah. Um. Uh. My favorite cliffhanger is the winner of the best cliffhanger award here for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the bloody shield. Ah. Uh, it's 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 just such an iconic shot already in the MCU, seeing that shield all bloodied up. I do think it is a little lessened by how much of a happy ending John Walker got here. You know, that was kind of the turn of him being a tragic hero. I'm back! Um, that was really the turn of him being a tragic hero, and that shot symbolized, like, you know, he has snapped. He's lost it. I, I So I'm a little upset that it loses a little bit punch knowing what comes down the line, but, I mean, Chilling seeing the blood on that shield in that moment, you know, he ripped the dude's head off. I mean, Jesus Christ. So uh, that is the winner of best cliffhanger as voted on by the direct staff. Best outfit. Yes. This is one I threw in here last second, best outfit in the Falcon and the winter soldier. We had so many amazing stylistic choices here, you know, from my least favorite part of the show, being the smiling tiger, all the way to, you know, Sharon Carter's hooded situation. What was your favorite outfit in the MC in this show, Liam? Or do you just want to announce our number one? I
0: was just gonna say again, contrarian by nature, but like, come on, it's the cap suit. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Is that the winner? Of course, it's the winner, yeah! Liam. Who else could it have been? Um, the cap suit wins, followed up by the Falcon suit. Two two Falcon suits at the top two, yeah. right there. And then the U.S. Asian suit being all black, Zemo. I uh, the what I put what I put in the uh, voting thing was Zemo is rich. That's his outfit. Because <laughs> yeah. wow, it's great. I mean, the mask sucks, but the the jacket the trench awesome. coat is dope. So sick, and the purple, and the purple. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean, like all that. Uh, but the new cap suit, we talked about it really heavy at the top of this show, but just a really awesome suit that um, I think if we know anything about Captain America suits, Liam will improve over time. Always oh, does, yeah. always does. And now it's time—the best episode in *The Falcon* and *The Winter Soldier*. Liam, buddy, friend, pal, guy. Oh, last second vote! A last second vote comes in and breaks a tie. Can you believe no. that? Can a, you? a tie for first? A tie? A, a tie for first place. Going into this segment, there was a tie for first place. I just got a DM saying, hey, I just voted. And one of the writers for the direct has changed the course of history, and we now have an official lease. Coming in at number six, episode one, New World Order. Coming in at number five, best theme song in the show, The Star-Spangled Man. If you haven't listened to the full version on YouTube yet, check it out. There's a trumpet solo. It's dope. Number three. I mean, number four. Season finale. One world, one people. Coming at number four.
1: Wow. Thoughts. Your thoughts okay. on that.
0: That shocks me. Genuinely. Does it? All right, keep going. I want to hear
2: the full list first. I, I have it at three. Um, Coming at number three, The Power Broker, where we go to Madripoor. Zemo dancing. Remember this? Oh, yeah. So, at number three. And then at number two, in a shocking last vote that drops this episode, number two, episode five, truth. So, number one, episode four, the whole world is watching. Thoughts, reactions. Wow. Emotions. Wow. I mean, why I do you think. think that- Go ahead. Sorry.
0: I, I don't even disagree per se because I think that the top four episodes are almost like a pick of of where you organize them and it's just based on personal preference because I don't think anyone is saying any of these episodes. Yeah, none of these episodes were like bad. I think yeah. episodes one and two were just naturally weaker like WandaVision two, because it was like, it was set up. There wasn't a lot of like payoff.
1: Right.
2: I, you know? I, I, I would concede that episode one on WandaVision if somebody told me it was bad, I wouldn't like fight them on it. I would just sure. tell them that hey, it was released with episode two, so put it into one <laughs> episode because yeah, you know, television it say it's got to stand up. But right. um, I agree. I don't think any episode was negative. Yeah,
0: I I'm just kind of shocked because I don't know. Maybe not a lot of people have the same mentality with me about the finale. But like, I recognize that there are better episodes than the finale. But I I guess that actually makes sense because the finale being number four, right? Not even yeah. making podium. Tom. I think oh, I dude, I, Hey, remind me. Bro. Did I put that? Yeah, I know. Did I put that at number one?
2: Absolutely. You put it at number one. You? I just wanted
0: to make sure because I know Madripoor, I was kind of back and forth with.
2: You and Jin um, put it at number one. Nobody else put it at higher than three. Wow. Okay. It's just because like, uh, I can't uh, ignore our the- boy, Our boy Russ put it at six. Wow. Are we about to get not I, can't ex- I just show.
0: can't <laughs> ignore the emotion I felt like- yeah. Same with Endgame. I agree that Infinity War is a better movie and you could even maybe argue elements of 2012's Avengers is better than Endgame at times. I think Endgame as a whole is a better movie. Yeah, I let me retract that statement right now. Yeah, Avengers that, that, are good.
2: Avengers are good.
0: Yes, but <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm very, I'm very objective in my opinion, uh, subjective in my opinion on the finale because of like the emotion that was attached to it. But yeah, damn, I, I also didn't have a lot of love for episode five, not because I thought it was a bad episode, just because I thought number two.
2: it's kind of stalled momentum a little bit. Sure. And and eighties montage, bit number two. Yeah, yeah. Eighties montage, dude. Can't beat it. Um it's interesting because uh, I was talking to Jack Pughes. Like I said, there's a bunch of bullies over there at thedirect.com. I'm not gonna name names, Liam. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say you know exactly who's bullying me into feeling bad about takes, Liam. But I just think that there's some people, Liam, that that you know make me, you know, self conscious about having feelings for these things. Whoa, uh, no, Whoa. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That know, was I an know. attack, but I think you know it's warranted. Oh.
0: Well, your 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 filler episode got number one. And I didn't. I didn't support that. You see,
2: see that, that did not age well for me. That did not age yeah. well. For me. I do. I do have it at four here, but Liam, you only have it at three. Don't act like it was a monument. Exactly. Ship. That's
0: what. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I wasn't. I wasn't riding the train of episode four being the best, but other people, uh, man.
2: I know. Hey, I hey, know I'm
0: that. not. I'm not. I'm not the Carly Morgenthau against Matt Remke. I'm just a random flag smasher. That's Sean Ross
2: Bradford for sure. Um, but. I talked to Jack Pews on the side because, you know, Jack has, you you know, this, you've seen me and him conversate on this thing. Me and him have one heart. Me and and Jack have one brain. You know what I mean? He Mm. is my like second in this comic book world. Like there's nothing Mm. I want more than Jack Pews approval in this stuff. Mm. So when all that was happening, I sent him a quick message and I said, you watch when Sharon Carter doesn't get enough character development in the finale and nobody talks about it like they did with Monica Rambeau in the WandaVision finale. Do you remember? That was the biggest problem with the WandaVision finale other than Ralph Boner was that Monica didn't have enough to do. Three characters didn't have enough to do in this finale. And yes, we talked about it and stuff. So that's why I'm not sure. necessarily surprised to see the
0: finale at four. I I just want to clarify, like I was a part of. I I didn't say that Monica needed more screen time.
2: No, no, no. no. You, and me, are friends on that one.
0: We we were very like aligned. <laughs> the only the only comment that I was like I was like, yeah. oh brother, was uh-huh. was the
2: filler. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. They they try you, to you, divide us, Liam. They try to divide us on that Slack channel. Yeah,
0: I see. I see what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Bunch of emos. To take over.
2: Come at me, Pam. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> called out the queen. Check out the Black Widow primer. But anyway, I digress. Um, so the finale being four, telling, I think, you know, it had a rushed feeling. I don't think anyone's going to deny that it was a little rush. I mean, the shortest episode of the back half of this season. Yeah, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it did feel a little rushed. So I understand it being four. My so your number one was number four. My number one was number three, and that's Power Broker, baby. That's Madripoor. That's fucking you know, Zemo mm. dancing, Sharon Carter kicking ass. I I had so much fun that episode. You know what I mean? Like like that episode brought more enjoyment beat by beat than any of these other episodes, where these other episodes were more thought provoking and emotional and um you know, intense, really is the word. That episode I had a lot of fun with, plus I had all those different uh moments of intensity and emotion and all that stuff. So um it's interesting that our both of our number ones didn't make top 2. Um but that just goes to show what a what a uh, consistent uh show this was. You know what I mean? Like it was it, this this really plays to this is a movie acting as a show as opposed to a show acting as a movie like WandaVision was. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: No, no that's a really good way of putting it
2: the fact that the fact that you know these are so spread out as far as votes i really it's one cohesive project in a lot of ways and i really appreciate that and uh, i'll let you close that out but guys that has been the falcon and the winter soldier superlatives
0: and we still got more rankings to come next week we will be diving into all things where the falcon and the winter soldier fits in the greater mcu 24 projects
2: this is 24 wow. shang chi will be 25 black Wait.
0: widow Loki. Loki will be 25. Shang I know. I Chi, saw
2: Sha- Shang-Chi will be the 25th movie. Yes. After Black Widow. So project wise, this is 25.
0: Yes. So this will is be 26
2: 25. You're right. You're
0: okay. We, we're 25. 25, Liam. Wow. Man. Silver anniversary. How about that? Jeez. Right, Silver? That is Silver, I believe. Sure. Regardless, we still got more Falcon Winter Soldier talk to get into next week. Really hoping we do get that assembled behind-the-scenes um, mini-documentary because this Ooh. is this is one that would be very, very intriguing to see, especially knowing all the oh, delays yeah. that happen. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, That's a juicy one. So nothing's been confirmed time of recording. Hopefully by then, uh, by next week, we know something. But in terms of spreading out the wealth, they might want to wait a couple weeks to, to drop some new Marvel content since there is a six-week gap. And the six-week gap means six weeks of, of no reviews. But six weeks of fun feature segments. So definitely hit that subscribe button. Keep it locked with us because we got a lot of fun stuff in the pipeline. Until next time, until Loki, that was our Falcon and the Winter Soldier season review. As Matt loves to say, that was a review and that was an episode. Episode 30 of the Direct Podcast in the bag. But before we get out of here, we want to give you some weekly recommendations. But even before that, we got some fun stuff lined up over this six-week drought, we are about to enter in terms of content. It may be sad, but we do have some fun segments in the pipeline. Matt, draft master, feature king. What we got going on next week?
2: So, guys, we have six weeks of no reviews. We have not had that in a long time. I don't remember the Mando WandaVision gap, but I do know One Woman 1984 was in between it. Um, so we haven't we haven't gone this long without a review in a long time. We're gonna hopefully just kind of. Keep having fun with you guys. This is going to be an old school, the direct podcast run here for a little bit. We're going to have drafts. We're going to have lists. We're going to have fan fancasts. We're going to have some blue checkmark guests on. Chris Killian is coming on the show. People don't know that. Liam doesn't know that, but he's coming and it's going to be a blast. Uh, so, you know, stick out, you know, stick through this uh, gap with us. Don't just come back for Loki. Please, you know, check in with us once a week. You don't have to listen to the whole episode. We put in time codes so you can pick and choose what you want to listen to from us, but you know, keep subscribing, keep sharing with your friends. I promise if nothing else, we're going to have a good time, including next week. Liam, this is the draft. Like this Mm. is, this is the draft I am more excited for than any other draft we've done. Mm. Because we are having on David Thompson of the direct.com and lights thunder action podcast and the three of us will be drafting the best Non-MCU Marvel movies. That is right. Spider-Man, X-Men, Daredevil, Blade, Fantastic Four. I mean, come on. A lot of Spider-Man, a lot of X-Men heading your way next week. So please hang with us. Rock with us. We love you guys. We love the feedback. We're going to be bringing, we're going to be bringing feature segments back in a big way next week for this gap. Liam, Weekly Rex but not really though, not because really, we really. both have the same one. Liam, you saw a movie. It's a little, it's a little old news at this point. It's a little old news at this point, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Cause I love this shit. <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong thoughts, comments, opinions, feelings. Go.
0: Oh my God. So I was able to get back into a theater this past uh, weekend and it was great to be back. And it, man, the, the quality drop in cinema between my last two movie theater yeah. experiences I saw 1917 in February, yeah. 2020, one of the coolest cinematic experiences and like art films I've ever seen. And then I saw Godzilla versus Kong. And don't get me wrong. The action scenes were dope, yeah. but man, Bad this movie. plot,
2: man, <laughs> the human characters. <laughs> uh, who cares?
0: Absolutely. Who cares? But like, I was, I was on FaceTime with my friend this morning and I was like, there's a guy on Twitter, on t- TikTok, excuse me who does like the, the writer's room of these movie pitches, like how they make a fast and furious movie. He's like, he always goes, all right, let's do a Mad Lib. Let's make a fast and furious movie. Give me, give me a retired WWE wrestler. Go, go now the rock. Okay. Uh, he's, he's Dom Toretta's brother. Right. And then all of a sudden, that's how I felt they made Godzilla versus Kong. Like, huh, okay. Like, can, can we talk spoilers?
1: Yeah, man. It, it, it's it's weeks old. A month. Oh okay
0: okay so so in the in the hollow earth right there's this element right and it's going to power Mecha Godzilla. we need Mecha Godzilla to kill regular godzilla because we can't trust godzilla because if there's even a one percent chance that he's a bad guy we have to take it as an absolute certainty batman v superman all that shit and then but we have to keep kong in the container because if he gets out godzilla is going to kill him but we're going to take him out anyways because in order to go to the hollow earth we need a guide and who are we going to get a scientist that knows this stuff a conspiracy theorist that loves the whole no earth? no we're going to get big monkey <laughs> Key for some reason and then they're gonna go in and they're gonna find it and he's gonna sit on the throne and get his stick and his stick is gonna light up and that's gonna make Godzilla angry and he's gonna spit down to the center of the earth then they're gonna fight and then the company's gonna release um doomsday excuse me mecha Godzilla, and then they're gonna fight him and then they're gonna high five it's all gonna be over and then the most insane plot of the whole thing they're going to reveal the containment facility from Monarch 472 is in the Hollow Earth. And in some time in between that, they've sent people down there and supplies and made oh.
2: <sighs> How cool what was a it? Bad- crazy oh, yeah, no, it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. But man, was it fun, right? Tell me you didn't have a blast. I had a great time. man. Yeah, <laughs> I-, I loved when- it when kong sat on that throne like like i sat up a little bit and i said two words i never thought i would say in a kong movie i said oh, king kong i get it <laughs> i get it now he's king kong that's awesome did you know no, that that Snyder axe... could never no no justice is too great for him to do that um did you know that the spike on his axe is a is a like ancient godzilla creatures spike it makes sense now. Yeah. They didn't explain it in the movie. Why would they? But, <laughs> um, you know, like, isn't that cool? Like, yeah. so, I mean, obviously it's an awful movie. All these movies are awful. <laughs> but, like, no, but in a serious, like, you know, cinephile thing, you know, my buddy Mitch likes to call me a cinephile now because I have this podcast. Um, but, like, really, like, I've learned through the MCU, the DCEU, And now uh, I've rewatched Fast and Furious and uh, the MonsterVerse. I'm now rewatching Harry Potter. By the way, rewatch Harry Potter, Liam. It's just so good. It's so good. I mean, God. Um, I'm learning that I take a lot of stake in what these movies try to be. You know what I mean? Zach's, I hate that we're doing it. Zack Snyder tries to make these nuanced, artsy, subtle, you know, like masterpiece films, and they don't come off that way. And that's why I hate on him so much. I'll say I'm a hater. I hate on him so much. But when Vin Diesel <laughs> makes a Facts and Furious movie that is trying to be as ridiculous and crazy as you can imagine, and then he does that, I love it. When these MonsterVerse movies... Literally just commit to not caring what the human characters are doing, but we have to care just so the story moves along. You know what I mean? If you take every word out of every human character's mouth in that movie and just have the sign language chick, who was incredible, by the way. Oh, she was actually she was great. She was phenomenal in that role. So didn't say a word. Phenomenal. If no human talks in that movie, do you think you have that different of an experience? No, not really. Right. Because like even explaining Mechagodzilla, it's like a scene or two, (laughs) like, like it's not, but man, first time in theaters. That was also my first time in theaters. What an incredible spectacle of um, scale. Mm. That was a big movie, man. That was a Hong Kong's done. Right. Never coming back from this. (laughs) Like there's no shot. They destroyed it. Whose team were you on? Going in, uh, I want. I mean, I, I
0: want the underdog. I wanted Kong, and I don't know that. That was Kong's first... movie.
2: That was Kong's movie. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It, you know what in I mean? terms of, in terms of like Batman v Superman, he was the Batman, and like Godzilla was like just kind of like the established character that was just mm-hmm. like had less screen time. Uh, but yeah, man.
2: Godzilla won. <laughs> I, get I mean, me no up... doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. Godzilla won. Yeah, but, God... but I get Kong fired... won I get... the movie. Sorry. Yeah,
0: I get fired up just thinking about it just because, like, again, so polarizing. So bad. But, like, I think undeniably great time. The action scenes are yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. My favorite one was the, the
2: aircraft battle fight. That was oh. the best one, I think. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> that That's where I had a problem because I didn't quite understand the scale there because, like, you shouldn't be small enough to fight on an aircraft carrier. But then also be big enough to be as tall as skyscrapers in Hong Kong. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that math, I feel like a lot of times they brought Godzilla down to be as small as Kong. And then other times brought Kong up to be as big as Godzilla, but honestly four movies in who cares, right? So how many of the MonsterVerse movies had you seen up to that point? I've seen everyone, but Kong. But Kong. All right. Well, you missed the best one, but (laughs) Godzilla King of the monsters so much lore so much like history of monsters in that movie that i really loved i wish it would have done more of that in this movie
1: yeah
0: this felt that very like this felt very too monster fight yeah no mm-hmm. no real lore like i i was talking with my friends about this like First, Godzilla, like, oh, okay, well, like we have a great idea, but we need, we want like people to take it seriously. So we're getting Brian Cranston. We're getting Elizabeth Olsen. We're getting Aaron Taylor Johnson. First Kong movie, again, people are going to take it seriously. Tom Hiddleston, Samuel Brie, Jackson, John C. Brie, Riley, Brie, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. <laughs> yeah. And then this one, it's like, yeah, so uh, uh, 11 from Stranger Things, uh, the FBI agent from Wolf of Wall Street, and then Tony Stark's New Year's Eve hookup from Iron Man 3. And FBI, let's call it a
2: movie. Okay, the FBI agent. I know World he's Kyle Street. Chandler. He was he was barely in the movie. Like that, uh, yeah, another, yeah, Put him in the movie. He should have yeah. been the the weird blonde guy. He should have been that guy. Yeah, that was that was odd. Awful, just awful. And if you haven't seen the first Godzilla, Wanda and Pietro Maximoff make out. It's really hot. So, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen, that has been MonsterVerse in review from the Direct Podcast, <laughs> guys. Uh, Liam. Send us out of here. I just want to say real quick, I appreciate everyone out there listening. I appreciate everyone who's sending feedback, giving us notes, how we can make the show better or how we can make this show fit better to our audience. So, you know, like I said, through the six week gap, no reviews, but damn it. I promise you, we're going to have a good time. We're going to keep drinking through drafts. We're going <laughs> to we're going to be shooting the shit and it's going to be a blast. And uh, like every week, we're going to give you all the top news from the universes you love.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I love the feedback. I love the reviews we get on iTunes. Even more than that, I love when people reach out on Twitter. You send us a tweet, let us know questions you have, let us know comments you have. Just let us know what you think about the show because the best way we are going to make this better is by hearing from you, the listeners, directly. No pun intended. So until next time, I've been Liam Crowley. That's Matt Remke. You can hit us up on socials at Liam T. Crowley, at Matt Remke, R-O-E-M, B as in boy, K-E. And we will see you next week with well, the star-started draft, a whole lot of news, and an overall great time.
1: First, you tell me you love me, then you tell me you leave fame with nothing like
2: Ready for this? Like I'm not ready yeah. to not have a Marvel show. Like, is that so weird to say? Like, I want a Marvel I don't show have next a, week. I don't have a reason to get up
0: before noon on Fridays, and that makes me upset.
2: That that makes me upset for other reasons.
0: <laughs> I I want to get, get up early.
2: My most productive
0: day this week, I woke up at 4:15 on Tuesday because I got I had to cram for an exam at
2: oh. 8 a.m. <laughs> That's a different kind and, of wake
0: up. Yeah, like I. I, it was, but it was my best day of the week. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. It's Cause I'm get supposed up, to be a morning person, Matt. I'm supposed to be. What is, what is
2: it? What is it though? Like, is it, you can't get out of bed or you, or once you're up, you can't get productive. Which one is it? It's, it's, like I can't fall asleep in time to get a
0: full, like good six hours.
2: So it's the front end of it.
0: Yeah. That's the
2: problem. So it's called melatonin. It's, it's $11 uh-huh. at the grocery store and it puts you right to sleep. It's but called- is this going to it's what?
0: I was going to say, does this, would this not like, I, cause I, my, my mom will take melatonin sometimes, and it's like, it's good for 10 hours. Like if I don't take this in time, am I going to be out for the count? Will I hear my alarm after like seven hours of sleep? see, I don't
2: know that question because I've never not heard my alarm <laughs> I've, never, I've never slept through an alarm in my life, so I, don't know. I have slept through alarms all the time <laughs> all the time. I don't know, man. my stepbrothers it's are the same way.. My, as te- hell. my stepbrothers used to compete to who could sleep in the longest, and I'm like, what do you guys do with your day? Like I've already I seen a movie. That. Yeah, <sighs> I used to love that back in the day uh, in middle dude, school. If I now I feel the-
0: gross. Well, Definitely.
2: You're still sleeping till noon though. wait, right, hey, you'll figure it out. I trust you.